BetMGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. This show is brought to you by The Makery, the podcast network for makers. Guys, welcome to Knife Talk. This is a podcast for knife makers, knife enthusiasts, DIYers. You're in your shop, you need some time, you need some company. We're here to, you could be in your car. You could do whatever you want. We're with you. I'm Jeff Fader from Fader Knives here with Mareko Momasi, Momasi Fire Arts. Craig Lockwood's not here this week. Sorry, that's the way it is. He had an important engagement to take care of, and we're here, me and my boy Mareko are here to take over. What's going on, Mareko? How you doing? I'm doing I'm good. I'm tired. I'm fucking tired. Yeah. How, it, I mean, so is it still raining your ass off over there? Is it starting to dry out, warm up? It's hot now. It's in the it's, 90s, and there hasn't been a lot of rain, but, uh, you know, look, <laughs> this is so, so, weird so you, weather. You went from the bathtub to the sauna. Yeah, it's just like, you know, the weird, the, I mean, the plants are weird. The We're still getting smoke from uh, uh, Canada, and... You know, we get a lot of rain, and then we don't get any rain, and then it's hot, and it's ugh, whatever. It's fine. I'm sure when it's winter time, I'll be wishing for this anyway. So, <laughs> have you been? How's your week? Uh, the week's been good. Uh, I got I got a cool call from my buddy Neil, our friend Neil Kamimura, uh, about doing a special collaboration piece. Oh, cool. Um, he he messaged me because he knows I have uh, piles of knives just laying around the shop. <laughs> Uh, a lot of these knives are the result of coming up with a new knife pattern or Damascus pattern, but then wanting to see what it actually looks like in a blade shape. So then forging out a blade and then seeing it and being like, cool, and then set it down and uh, and then getting back to actual work rather than fucking off with uh, experimentation, which I think is important. But um, so he reached out to me about doing a collaboration piece. And so I'm work. Uh, I, I, one of the, the blade I picked out is like uh, i think it's about a 10 inch gudo maybe Mm. just under 10 inches so kind of a bigger knife um but it's a brute forge integral uh that i did a while back i wasn't really i wasn't super happy with it um but it's a good thing that (laughs) i set these things down to come back to them because I, i wanted to try to figure out how to make this work and part of the thing that i was struggling with is that um, to do a, a nice, what I think is a good brute forge integral is to also forge the gar- or the bolster area so it has that forged texture, everything all around. Andy Wozniak does a fucking awesome job with yeah. these. Um, and so um, 
he was definitely a strong inspiration for that, uh, at least moving in that direction, um, and, and trying to accomplish that. And, and so I, I was playing, I, I, sorry, I, I got the knife. I, I did a new grind that I haven't done before, um, which I think is going to be nice. Um, or actually I lie. I did it one time before. And the reason I wanted to do it again is because I was shocked by, um, how nicely it cut. Um, and so, uh, yeah, I got this knife ground, uh, th but the, the bolster is the tricky part because it was tapered from the spine side of the bolster to the belly. Uh, there was probably like an overall 200 thousandths of an inch difference, which is just under a quarter of an inch. Right. And, um, and so I had to figure out a way to capture, oops, sorry, I just punched the microphone, um, how to capture that bolster in my file guides without, uh, and, and to be able to flatten the bottom of that integral bolster. My, I, I, I got these brand new file guides from, uh, our guys, our friends down at Gamaco, the tiny, the quote unquote tiny file guides, which are actually fucking gigantic. Yeah. Which huge. is, it's, they're huge and they're awesome because part of, one of the biggest issues with integrals is, um, as you clamp down, uh, if the bolts are small and the screws are small and the body of the file guide is kind of on, I guess, what is more traditional size. When you're cranking down on the integral bolster, usually or often you're engaging only actually a very small part of the file guide faces, like the inside faces. Um, and so um, you get a little bit of bowing across the top or deflection. So with these file guides, the tinies from Gamico, um, they have like almost a half inch. I think it's a three eighths bolt in there. Um, and it's just much bigger body. Everything's and, and the, the tolerances are fucking awesome. Uh, they're, they're really, really refined. So it's nice. So there isn't any weird like rocking action or anything. Um, they open and close beautifully. Anyways, I had to capture them in that file guide, that tapered bolster. And so I figured out a new way to um, basically make shim stocks out of mild steel angle iron um, to kind of take up that uh, that lacking material because of that taper, right? So that I could actually still grab it really nicely and firmly in that file guide and, um, and flatten that bitch out. Because again, like I could go in and flatten the surface of those integral bolsters, but I'm trying to preserve, right? That, right. that brute to forge aesthetic. And so how do I capture that without messing that up? And so these shims is, has been the solution and it worked perfectly. And I'm so glad I did that. So, um, other than that, I had a really great uh, interview with Shane Taylor, who is a ABS master smith um, for my Patreon uh, Artisans of Steel podcast, um, and it was really awesome to talk to the guy. I, I, I've known him for years, but I never have really um, had a chance to sit down with just him and me one-on-one. -on -one. It's always been like kind of group situations or a blade show or at a hammering or something like that, and uh, his work is really inspirational, and he, he does a lot of really creative folder knives um, using um, like cabochons, like uh, the, the eyes that you would see in maybe... Um, Oh, what is it called when they the t in taxidermy taxidermy eyes for especially for like snakes and he does a huh. series called the dragon series and so he's using um per, uh, special metal cl uh metals and and these and these eyes and making it look like a dragon's face and he does all these carving and engraving um and anyways it was an awesome conversation but it that I talked to him this month. Last month, I talked to Jordan Lamote. And 
the last co two conversations I've had with these ABS Mastersmiths, because they're both ABS Mastersmiths, have, have I think, um, convinced me to get back in and join the ABS. Um, because oh shit, big announcement! Big announcement. Uh, I don't know. I don't think that's a big announcement. By the no, way, never mind. If you hear some weird noise, you remember you remember the electrician that was using the. Uh, when I was recording the podcast, like maybe a year ago, yeah, using the sawzall, yeah. somebody's right outside the house right now I, doing some work. I can't house. hear it at all. I can't okay. hear it at all. I can hear like the drill gun going. Yeah, and don't worry shit. about it. Don't worry, about it. I can't hear it all. Uh, one thing I'll say about Shane Taylor is he's also yeah. very, very well known as a, in the farrier world. He's probably more famous in the farrier world than the knife world. I don't know if you know that or not. You're thinking he's, of Shane Carter. My bad. Never mind. <laughs> Never mind. Well, Shane Carter, bad. also a master smith, also a great guy. Never mind. And yes, very well known in My the bad. farrier world. My bad. Uh, he's world famous. I'm with you. Anyways. <laughs> Back to it. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, so, you yeah. Did, so, so you paid your dues for the ABS? No. That's All the deal. Right. I'm, I'm waiting until the beginning of the year because this is how the ABS payments work. Or, or the uh, Tell me because I always forget to pay. <sighs> yeah. No. Well, not the payments, but how the annual, like how they count the years. And so they count... Um, so if I were if I were to pay my due right now, at the beginning of the year, so it's like sixty bucks at the beginning of the year in January, I would have to pay sixty dollars again. Um, and my first year as an ABS, um, what is it, apprentice? apprentice. I guess yeah. wouldn't start right now. It would start from the first show that I potentially that that accepts testing, which is the spring show, the uh, the Texas Blade Show. So it it doesn't make sense for me to pay now and then to pay the due again at the beginning of the year. So I'm going to wait until the beginning of the year. Hopefully I don't forget. I'm, I, I told my wife we got it on the schedule to pay it, um, and then um, and then from there at at the earliest show that you potentially could test it or that not you but accepts uh, candidates for the different levels, uh, which is the Texas Blade Show in the spring. That's when the first full year starts. Um, and so, so then it'll be from that spring to the following spring will be one year and so on. And so the earliest, I think I can test would be two years in after I start paying dues again, because I still have my certificate from taking a class at the new England school of metalwork ah. uh, for the introduction of bladesmithing. And from talking to Shane, I, I have to double check, but talking to Shane, I'm pretty, uh, he's pretty sure that that doesn't, you know, go bad. So even though I did that fucking like eight years ago, it's that the, the fact that I took that class and obviously I'm still forging all the time. So uh, anyways, that still stands. I can shave off that t uh, a, sh a year by taking because I took that class and then uh, I can do my testing in a couple of years. So t I guess 2026, 25, Jeez, look at you. 26, 2026. Don't forget. Don't forget like me. <laughs> I so. obviously it doesn't matter if it I'll be honest with you I always do it out of support and I right. think all right if it happens it happens and if I don't pay it and it slips my mind and it pat and, and whatever I say to myself well obviously Jeff you don't want it that bad so then I, I just you. like okay once I want it that bad then I'll, I'll make a thing and then I got messages from people saying I'm sure that if I called up they would you know help me out here but I'm like I don't need any help obviously if it was, if it, when it's meant to be, it's meant to be, or maybe it won't be meant to be. So. Yeah, and I think, I think the thing that really kind of uh, convinced me in both of their kind of perspectives around joining the ABS and the value of the journeyman Smith stamp and the master Smith stamp and all that, 
Uh, not only I th- I like the whole concept of like the personal challenge of doing it for yourself, um, but also the perspective, which is kind of the ABS mission, is to continue to preserve um, the the art and and craft of the forged blade, um, as well as other things as well. But I'm I'm on that path. That is always going to be my path, and so. Um, it doesn't make sense for me to not be part of that. I've had, uh, I, I have had some issues with how things are ran and stuff like that. But honestly, you can't really affect difference or uh, um, help make a difference or move things in a, uh, a different direction or whatever influence change from the outside when you're not part of it. Like you don't get a fucking say. So then <laughs> they don't care, <laughs> especially if you're not a member. Mm. Uh, so I have ideas of how I think the abs could improve for sure um but i I can you can only do that from inside well Uh, and i'm not talking about overhauling everything i'm just saying like i'd see that there are opportunities for well improvement for just let you know that you'd be surprised because that same thing the same thought process happened with abana where there are all these young guys going to be the board of directors and then after some issues, and then we had uh, John Williams, one of the great blacksmiths of our generation, an amazing blacksmith, and he was on the board, and they, you know, he was going to, it made me want to be get involved with a band again, and then they, they threw him out. I mean, I mean, when I say throw him out, I mean, I think they voted, I don't know what they, he, right. he left, and, and, you know, I basically was like, oh, John Williams, it ain't good enough for John Williams, it ain't good enough for me, so just be aware that, like, this, you know, these ideas of making big change and stuff like that are one thing, but it's like, you know, there. I, I give ABS of, of. I had uh, Ryan Brewer on uh, Full Blast, and we were talking about the ABS. Mm-hmm. I give the ABS a lot of credit because they've taken the success of Fortune Fire, the success of Instagram, the success of YouTube videos, and the people's interest, and they've capitalized on it. And now, you know, you look at that group two years ago as the biggest group of ABS people testing of all time, and mm-hmm. it's going strong. Blade shows bigger and better than every year. I give. I give the. I give the ABS a, a, a way more credit than I do Abana. Sure. Uh, they're completely taking uh, they're taking the the bull by the horns, and uh, you know, obviously, people are still interested. So yeah, yeah. So, anyways, I had a really great conversation. We Peace. fucking talked for eight. We ran a marathon. We we did four hours and fifteen minutes. Jesus Christ. <laughs> So, what the fuck i'm dude? not i'm not doing it because i wanted to be it's just how the conversation flowed i i i set that honestly i set that day aside for i don't know how it could be two hours or an hour and a half or it could be four hours right and it's i just so I, it's interesting conversation for four fucking hours for yeah, all four I, hours are good i think so no one takes a break to take a leak no <laughs> all right there you go yeah. Listen to the Artisans of Steel, guys. This is for four hours. Yeah. If you're on a long road trip, that's for you. Yeah. I, podcasts are interesting because most of the people listen are doing a lot of things. Like you see that, like news shows and comedy shows, and they're they're doing half an hour, forty five minutes, and then you got right. the long form that people can kind of break up. So yeah, well, good. How well, is Jordan? It, Jordan's good. I've yeah, had Jordan him on a couple great. times. He's very yeah, good. for sure. Yeah, Jordan's awesome. Um, but I think, yeah, regarding the, or not the ABS, but the podcast, you know, you're inviting people to the table to be part. Nah, Sometimes, like through my Patreon, people can be part of the conversation because I do a private like live stream. But um, but it, it, it gives people an opportunity to sit, be at the table that they otherwise wouldn't be 
have access to um except for do through a podcast conversation otherwise like this is something i would just do with shane just me and him anyways mm. right um but this You're, way i could share that with, conversation wait with a people. second you'd be on the phone with someone for four hours i've done it recently me and will brigham uh not frequently but several times has had three hour conversations on the phone but this At is like night? wow no 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 this is while we're in the shop we're like uh, hand sanding blades we're fucking piddling around the shop doing clean like when i'm cleaning the shop or something i'll give somebody a call say what's up and sometimes it's a short one sometimes it's a it's a marathon my dad and i used to have a joke about my sister carrie who we love and uh she could talk on the phone and she holds you on the phone man she would hold you on that phone so we, I would make the joke to my dad, if you need to kill two hours, call Carrie. And he would, he would say the same thing. And he was just like, you can't just cannot get off the phone with her. It's like, I mean, what, she's wonderful. I love her. But at the same time, it's just like, you can't do a five minute conversation with her. Anything going to happen. Oh, no. Um, but you know what this conversation is sponsored by? Even Eat. Even Eat's the manufacturer of the finest heat treat ovens available. Go check out your next Even Heat at evenheat-kiln.com. Get yourself involved with that tap control. Get yourself involved with that LB series. As no coils in the back, and uh, Even Heat. That's the way it is. Yeah. So well, just wow. to finish out the week real quick, uh, I just want to say thanks to everybody who has reached out uh, with interest in taking the class. I've been getting a lot of people reaching out and getting the class. Actually, in the Northwest that I'm going to be teaching, which is uh, kind of like the decoding mosaic Damascus, um, and so helping people to understand how I think about Damascus, how to recognize patterns in Damascus and decode them and also planning them um, and different various like forging techniques and stuff like that and pattern welding design. Uh, the class here in Washington is almost full. I think we're at, wow. uh, we got like two or three more spots left. And I think the class over in the Northeast as Zach Jonas is, is getting, uh, getting some interest as well. Uh, again, the dates on those classes. My class here in Washington is going to be September 29th to October 1st. And then one at Zach Jonas's is uh, October 13th uh, to October 15th. Um, so email us respectively for interest. Uh, but again, I just want to thank everybody who's reached out with uh, interest to take the class. I appreciate the support, and I think it's going to be a lot of fun. Email you, not email well, nice email time. me for yeah, my stuff right, or right. email Zach, Zach at Jonas Blade right. uh, for the class being at Todd at Zach's. Otherwise, I'm going to be up at Maker Camp. I think I said that last week, right? I'm going to be up at Maker Camp. It's confirmed. And it's going to be fun. I got some. I was on the phone with Austin a few days ago, and I guess that was last week, whatever. Anyway, right. um, yeah, I'm excited for Maker Camp. You're going to be there again? I am definitely going to be there. Nice. I haven't nice. decided what I'm going to do, but I'm going to be there with the boys. Right. That's great. Well, how's your well, you? How's the week been? You said it sucked earlier. Fucking sucked. It's it's been like <laughs> what's happening. It's what's, been a what's nice, stressing you out. It's been a. Well, I'll tell you. It's been what's a. It? It's been a week of things happening to me that are out of my control, but I've dealt with them. So, hmm. I mean, uh, the good and bad. And uh, one of the things that happened was I was dragging my table saw outside. I like to roll it around, especially when I'm podcasting. I got to move it around, and uh, one of the wheels broke off, so I had to 
stop everything to fix it. And I got new wheels and then this did work and that didn't work. And I just made a mm. reel about it just because I was like, if, if someone's going to suffer, all, you're all going to suffer with me. So <laughs> Chris Cash told me to do that. So I, I did a, I did a reel about my misery and it all worked out fine. <laughs> and that was just a drag because it really kind of derailed my situation. I'm going to in a good spot with my guys. I got a new intern in once a week and oh, another, so uh, in addition great. to Dave. Yep. David has wow. been great. And um, oh, sorry, David. David's been great and he's really kind of like, you know, it's, it's been very good. And, and now I have uh, an intern that's come once, comes once a week and getting, being able to kind of think about what everybody's going to do is kind of like the number one thing in my, in my day. And mm -hmm. I have to be ahead of everybody. And then when something happens where I have to fix something, it kind of just kind of derails everything, but uh, right. I made it happen. But the Could, weirder thing oh yeah, was the next morning. Yeah. I was uh, working out, and I was getting. It was about six thirty or so, and I was, and I got a phone call from a friend of mine, and this is a friend of mine who, I've kind of vaguely talked about. Uh, she and her and her husband are very, very close friends, and she's dealing with cancer. She's late stage oh, wow. of the end. She, no more chemo, no more radiation. She's like, you know, really, you know, at the last end. And we make food for them, and we love them, and they, we've known them for twenty years, and they're just amazing, and. You know, we're supporting them the best we can. And uh, I'm about to take a shower and I'm f just sweaty and disgusting. And I get a call and it was from the, the wife and the wife got on the phone with me and she said, listen, Jeff, it's like 6.30 in the morning. She's like, I've fallen out of bed and I'm on the floor. I mm. need your help. I'm like, I'm on my way. I'm right. on my way. I'm like, I mean, who knows? You know, yeah. there's someone I care about. You know, yeah. I don't know. I don't know what. I'm on my way. So I put on my... <laughs> I, 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 my, my shorts that I wear at the shop are my old like shorts when I was much bigger. So, because okay. I don't care about them anymore. So they're like filthy, but they don't fit. They're like three sizes too big. So without a belt, they look crazy. I'm covered in sweat. I put on a t-shirt. I didn't get a chance to take a shower. I put on these pants and ran over in, you know, Birkenstocks, flip flops or whatever. And then, um, that she's, she said to me, she said, go to the back door and, you know, go to the back door. The back door is locked. So I call her up and I said, the back door's locked. Is there a key around? She goes, oh no, there's no key around. Well, I, maybe I'll just have to wait here until my husband comes home. Her husband took a job, a night job, so okay. he could work at night and then he could take care of her during the day. And I'm like, well, right. I'm not waiting. We're not waiting around for him to come home. Okay. So I think to myself, what the fuck am I going to do? I'm going to knock this door in. And then I'm like, I'm not going to knock the door because I'm going to have to fix the door. So <laughs> I look over and next to the door is this tiny kitchen window. And okay. the, the door, the window's open. But the, the screen is, is not. So I try to lift the screen up. And I'm going to yeah. go through the window. The screen is locked. And I just like, I got to get into this woman's house. I got to help my friend. So mm -hmm. I ripped the screen window out. Ripped it out. I mean, I'm like, it can't, it, you know, the screens that have the little things on either side. And then you flip them from the inside and they go right. up. Well, that thing, I can't do it from outside. So I got you. that's gone. That's gone. Then there's, I want to greet, it's a tiny window and I'm slipping through it. And there's this, there's this drawer of silverware on top of the microwave that's my landing so oh, i'm mean, like well i obviously have to get rid of that so i'm leaning into the window my pants are falling down i'm sweating <laughs> i look like a crackhead oh i look right. like a crackhead i've already ripped with like with no uh, with abandon i've just pulled this i didn't try to nicely take out this screen window i ripped the fucking thing out of the thing yeah and now i'm i'm reaching in and pulling out drawers of cutlery out of the out through the window 
the na- I'm at, at this point, I'm like, well, the neighbors are going to call the pot, the police. I look fucking yeah. deranged. Right. I look li- at literally, I'm breaking into these people's house. And, and then I'm like, I'm coming, I'm coming, I'm coming. I'm coming. And then I'm th- the funny part is, is I'm just thinking to myself, I'm like, how come the police, are, how come the, the neighbors aren't calling the police? Because you're like, white. This is, no, because I mean, I look like a drug <laughs> addict. I mean, I literally look like a drug addict. And then uh, I rip the window out. I get the thing out. I, I go through. I'm thankful that I've lost all this weight. I can slip through this fucking window. All I can think of is, you lost some weight, Fader. You can slip through. We can break into people's houses and slip you through windows. You probably slide through a doggy door. I slipped right through this tiny door, <laughs> and I went in, and I... You know, and then I didn't know what I was expecting. However, I've been here before in this kind of situation before. Went upstairs. She was grateful that I got her up, got her back into bed. She was so exhausted, uh, you know. And I just said, the last thing I said is, you got to leave me a key. I said, because I'm enjoying going through windows now. So the next one, I'm going to break every window in your fucking house and you don't leave me a key. And she started laughing. And I was just like, listen, I love you. I, she's like, I'm so sorry for calling you. I'm like, I'm, I'm honored that you called me. I course, love you. I'm absolutely. glad you called me. Yeah. I, you, anything you need, we got you. But you got to leave me a key because there's a couple of the windows I want to go through the next time this happens. <laughs> so she laughed. And then I called the husband and he was worried and everything worked out at the end. And, you know, we took care of it. And But it was like, it was stressful because it's like, obviously, you know, I, Frankly, the crazy part is when I was back in the in the late '90s, I was an assistant to um, uh, the sculptor. Her name was Marianne Unger, and she was a famous sculptor. And she had a studio on Second Street and Second Avenue. And half the loft was a studio; the other half was living space. And when I started working for her, she said, "I have brain cancer. I don't I don't plan to last that much longer, but I really want to get the sculpture done." I'm like, "I'm you. I'm with you." So I came in. I would, you know, it was a pretty easy. So I didn't really need her help, and I was working on the steel work. And then and then every so often we would have lunch, and she was really kind of. I mean, she was really brain, the brain cancer was really beating her up. But the yeah. crazy part was I'd be welding, and then I'd stop welding, and all of a sudden I would hear. I couldn't wear headphones because. There were times where she needed my help, like she was in pain oh, or wow. something like that. Yeah. So there was a time where all of a sudden I heard screaming. I ran to her room. Where I was dressed in a cut in coveralls because I didn't want to get. I wanted to wear shorts and when I'm you know the welding. And it was I was like Frankenstein's monster walking in a, covered in dirt. And I and she fell out of bed. And I picked her up and got her back into bed. It was almost like it was crazy because this experience I had you know this a couple days ago yeah. was like I fucking been here before. A couple times it was crazy like yeah. a kind of the weight the way everything looked the way everything it was like it was just like crazy deja vu so mm-hmm. it was a drag but at the same time i'm glad that you know i'm glad that everything you know as good as it could have been so glad i was there but. i mean that's honestly that's a great I, one you're a fucking hero i'm not a hero you're I'm no, garbage but, i'm garbage <laughs> anyone do up. it so somebody anyway. calls you they need your help you do it yeah, exactly. Two, this is a great reason why we need to be taking care of our bodies. And I think it's awesome that you have been a great example for that because, uh, you know, if you're not in that shape to be able to do that, like, you, what the fuck, you sorry? <laughs> I'm slipping through fucking, I can slip through a doggy door easy. Well, my shoulders are the fucking big. <laughs> my shoulders are a little too big for a doggy door, but I fucking, I got up in that fucking window, man. Fuck, God, uh, I ripped that. I tell you what, I was scared, obviously. Yeah. But at the same time, it was exhilarating. I was like, how often do you get a chance to break into someone's house? I was super <laughs> duper close to just bashing in the door. And I thought, I could replace this door, but I don't want to. 
Yeah. You know, sure. the screen window, I'm like, I left it and I said, I left them a note. I'm like, I'll, I'll get you a new screen window, which, you know, uh, well, but at the, the same case, time, it's just the door like, casings, what if the I kicked out, if I kicked the door in, which would have been awesome, I got to deal with the door now. And I don't want to deal with the door. The screen's okay. I don't want to, yeah. I wanted to kick the door in. I yeah. really wanted to kick the door in. Like, fucking kick it. You watch you know? too much N- NYPD Blue. Well, I mean, you get the chance. I mean, you get a chance for the situation. I mean, this is like the, you know, this is the situation everybody wants. But I, I wriggled my way through that fucking, and I'm pissed at my neighbors for not calling the cops. Because if it, I'd been, the cops had showed up, I'd have a reason to have a day off. Been arrested. It'd be great. <laughs> it'd, be, it'd be like that bullshit no stop situation again the only time i ever had a real vacation was when i had my appendix out and i could not go to work i was just like thank mm. god this is what i need i need a, i need a real i need to be pulled into a vacation so yeah not that i really want to be arrested but you get it. yeah but I other bit- than that it was you know we were she was grateful the husband was grateful i uh you know i was happy to be there for her and we yeah. made a i made a paella for her husband and he brought it home for her and mm. you know we're trying to take care of the family as best we could just be there for him and yeah. you know it's nice to know that we can have a nice you know try to do be as helpful as we can yeah i saw that paella is that the one you posted yeah i was doing a paella for some friends and one of the the husband and the wife were going to come the wife wasn't feeling well so we gave her to go but we took care of the, the husband he's been through nice. it so yeah you know, it was one of those things that was fun to do. And I'm like, now nah, I'm going to, and, and PS now the reels, I've been doing all these different types of reels. And now mm-hmm. it's like, I'm getting more engagement from non-followers. And it's interesting because Instagram now is giving you more data in regards to who's watching, when they're watching. Yeah. You're, there's all these new well, you little have a business account, right? I have a business account. Yeah, so you get, uh, no, I don't you have a don't. business account because I can't, because I, otherwise I wouldn't be able to get the music. I don't need that much fucking business. I don't need to be like. That's weird. I have a business account and I still can do the music on the reels. Well, maybe I do. Maybe I do, but I, I don't know. But I don't. business I, account gives you more data about where people are coming I, from. I'm, I'm getting enough that it's fine. But it, what's yeah. interesting to me is it's giving me an, an idea of when the algorithm's pushing me out to non-followers because that's what i want i you know it's nice to get an attaboy from our friends and stuff like that but at the same time i'm like looking to like get new eyes and and doing the food stuff and then the knife is using for the food and i'm getting more like i'm definitely getting more more people for that so i'm starting to do more cooking stuff and i'm planning on doing some more outrageous cooking things and not outrageous but like you know more stuff gotcha. but uh you know you know when i you know what i would do if i was i can't how, how, <laughs> God, this is the that was that was that was the that was the sloppiest way to go into a combat abrasives ad but if i were to go get some abrasives i'd go to combatabrasives.com, put in the promo code knife talk 15 get 15 percent off I'm under the impression they're selling flap discs, ladies and germs. So if you're a metal worker and you need some flap discs, why don't you get yourself some of them and put in that promo code knife talk fifteen, get yourself some of that. But abrasives and all that stuff. They definitely but, uh, do. I could have they... used some I could have used some of them flap discs. I had to do the other thing, yeah, talking about derailed, I had to do Th- two railings and a handrail from a friend of, for a friend of mine for his restaurant. Oh, because right. like all the, no, no, another one. This is another, another one. This one. Is, oh, oh, dude. My God. What are I you did doing a railing. Well, I did a railing. That last railing I did was I did it for the, my, the, the couple who, who are going through it because they're right. getting an insurance thing and they needed to beat the insurance. And I, no, I said, don't worry, I got you. So we knocked out the railing for them. And now I yeah. have another flea bag friend of mine who I love. <laughs> 
but he's like, I got this, you know, we're trying to open up by such and such a day. I need a couple railings. I'm like, I don't do railings anymore. He's like, please. I'm like, asshole. I'm like, no problem. So I knocked out a couple railings <laughs> and a handrail, on, and I'm going to get paid in pizza, I think. Fine. You're a hero. Ugh, I'm not a fucking meatball hero is what I am. <laughs> dope. I'm a dope, but it's fine. And my daughter is starting to get anxious because three weeks away from her going to college. Oh, shit. So we're like right. in the house. It's like, you know, bedlam. It's a bedlam. Like, you know, this is this weekend is her last weekend swimming with the winter swim, sw- summer swim team. And she's starting oh, wow. to she's be still like, doing that stuff. That's cool. Well, I mean, you know, she actually she had we went to a fucking Yankee I just thought game. she checked out and just been one wheeling well, all over town. There's two there. We haven't one wheeled at all this summer yet. And, oh, and uh, but um, I know I, I we got to get to it. But we had she had a meet she's on a summer she's on a she's on the varsity team she's on a summer swim team she had the best fucking race of her life she went we were on the day we went to see the yankees she was she dove in the water against this team there were five people in the water she was no, uh, uh, as soon as she got came up from the dive she was number 4 and then she whipped she kind of slowly slowly crept past number 3 and then she did the kick turn the kick turn get her slowly slowly past number 2 and then all of a sudden everyone started freaking out cuz they realized that she's going to come in and win the whole goddamn thing and she everyone's everyone's on the deck screaming and hollering and I'm like nice. pacing like a crazy person came in first place and I sort of got she got out of the water and I cried I fucking cried. I believe it. Was it. Like That's awesome. fucking awesome. And then I got to, and it was amazing. <laughs> and then we got to see Garrett Cole to dominate the 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 Royals, and that was awesome. And mm, nice. you know that was before we had to deal with all these other things. But fine, this yeah. is knife talk, not problem talk. You know what I'm saying? Well, I think we should we do some problems. questions. Unless you want to talk about anything else, I would like to do some questions. We have great listener feedback. We have great questions. Our listeners are. The best. There ain't nobody better than our listeners because they get involved. <laughs> so if you want to get involved with uh, the podcast, go to Instagram, Knife Talk Podcast on Instagram. That's where you can re, uh, send us a message, send us feedback, send us questions. We'll get you all squared away. And but but before before we get into the questions or anything you want to talk about and feedback, I just want to say you guys got to go to Texas Ferry Supply. I'm telling you, you got to get on board with Andas USA. You the Rhino Wet is unbelievable. It stuff is unbelievable, and it's great. And if you go to uh, TexasFerriesSupply.com, put in the promo code KNIFETALK10, you're going to get 10% off not only just the Rhino Wet from Indos USA, which is the number one sandpaper there is. There ain't no better sandpaper than that. No one's going to say anything different. No one has ever said to me, you're, you're barking up the wrong tree. You got to use this. It's, it's Indasa. And go get yourself some of that uh, at TexasFerriesSupply.com. Put in the promo code KNIFETALK10 for 10% off and other things. Yeah, boy. So... You know what I've been doing with that Endasa? Go ahead. I'm coming off the machine at 220. Yeah. And the way I grind, because I do like the S grind and the convex and all that shit, uh, all my lines are perpendicular to the length of the blade, which means I'm running from spine to edge. And usually I would come off the machine at 220 and then I'd start hand sanding at 220. And I was like, I'm going to try, I'm just going to see what happens. And I jumped straight to 400 and it only took me an extra like five minutes each side to handstand starting with 400. I was like, oh my God, I'm never doing 220 again because 220 is a bitch. And then I have to then turn around and follow those 220 with the right. 400. So I just, I actually end up saving, God, I don't know, probably like, even though it took me a little bit longer at the 400, I probably still save myself like 20 minutes. 
The Andy. 220 is awesome, but I have noticed that if, awesome. if you can, if you can, if you can start hand sanding at a higher grit, I talked to the first time I ever heard about this was we're talking to our friend Jeremy Spake mm-hmm. said to me that he, when he, the masters all told him start hand sanding at 400 or 320 because you're ending up with your, your, yeah, the 220 is good because it helps change the scratch pattern, but you're mm-hmm. starting with like deeper grooves. I mean, yeah. How I mean, we're talking two twenties, deep grooves. I mean, it's just like hilarious. But at the same time, like there, there are carpenters who f- who finish at two twenty. You know what right. I'm saying? Yeah. But but if you wanted a f- satin finish that ha- is is less satiny and more hand rubbed, start at a higher grit. No no, there's no question about it. You're a, a ha- thousand percent right. Yeah. yeah. I actually, been doing the stones. I use the stones All to right. cha- to start this to change the scratch pattern from the disc grinder. Before I use the Indasa because it just kind of does, uh, it's, it's, it's just a kind of like more efficient and economical way of going. And then we start in with the, and I've been lately, I've been starting with going from the stones. I go to, uh, you can get stones anywhere. Yeah, I know Maritime's got some stone. Maritime. Yeah, they do. Got some stone. For sure. And I go up to like 800 with the stones and then I drop back to the 400 with the Rhino Wet. And then it's like. You're definitely getting a different style. I mean, it's like apples and oranges, honestly. I mean, but at the same time, it's like, you know, whatever. I so, do. Well, uh, you want to do some questions? Yeah, let's jump into it. You want me to take the first one? Yeah, hit it. Uh, this first one is from Anano Mouse. You know that's anonymous, right? Yes, I do. Okay. Uh, <laughs> this was kind of the beginnings of a, like a Benjamin Cocker, but not enough. Not enough that I believe that you actually believe that. A Nani Mouse. Yeah. Okay. Uh, I will see. Uh, anonymous is you wouldn't mind if you wouldn't mind, uh, but I have an autoimmune condition that affects my hands and can't spend a lot of time in the shop. Uh, any tips on protecting your hands? No, I asked. I asked him. Well, can you give us some more of symptoms? And okay. that's when he. Okay. So then he followed that with, uh, not trying to go pro. Obviously, trying to uh, just join as a hobby at first, or for now. Um, eczema. So he he's dealing with eczema. Uh, so dry, cracked hands to the point of bleeding at times. Uh, they itch, then burn, etc. I try to wear gloves. Uh, when I can, but not when grinding to avoid steam burns and feel uh, the blade so it isn't overheating, or just so that the blade doesn't so overheat doesn't the overheat. grinding. Yeah, so uh, protecting your, especially if you got sensitive skin, yeah, for um, for doing this work. Because yeah, I, I honestly, like, I, I'm fortunate. I don't think I have super sensitive skin. I, I When I worked for Bob Kramer, I did... I sculpted tons of Coca-Cola handles. I never had Tom Moss's problem. Uh, That's that that Tom Moss uses Coca-Cola <laughs> and then he gets the dust on his hands and then he goes take a leak and then all of a sudden you got that swollen wiener. That's what we're getting. You, gotta, you can't just say it and people think, you know, you don't you don't we don't know that people listen for years. So, Tom Moss got a swollen penis. That's what you Love saying. you Tom. Uh and <laughs> we, like, yeah. we like you Tom. We like you. Um but I, I have noticed that sometimes, so like in my quench bucket underneath my grinding, uh, underneath my grinder, underneath my platen, it catches a lot of the, the heavier dust that comes straight off the grinder when I'm grinding up a blade or whatever. Um, I put baking soda water in there because I do also dunk the blade to cool it off as I'm grinding. And by 
by dunking the or by having a baking soda water mixture, you reduce uh, or basically completely eliminate the uh, kind of flash rusting that can happen when you're grinding, especially carbon steel knives. Um, the flash rushing that uh, rusting that occurs when you are just if it's just plain water, right? The baking soda, there's something about it that helps prevent uh, that rusting action to happen. But right. by I grind barehanded. And my hands get really beat up. And I, I find that I, I have to be careful about how much time I'm actually spending doing that. And sometimes if I am planning on spending a lot of time in that, you know, constantly dipping my hands in that baking soda water, maybe I'm grinding multiple blades or whatever's going on. I actually, I wear nitrile gloves. I will wear nitrile gloves to help keep my hands from being, or to reduce, I guess, the amount of exposure. Um, yeah. Because... It, it just it it does like the baking soda water really dries out my skin and like you know along the like the fingernail beds start to crack really bad and gets super gnarly so i that's probably the one thing um i do to try to protect my skin but there's like when you're like you do a lot of synthetics especially like the, the whatever the micartas and the g10s and all that shit's really bad or can be really gnarly. It's, I, I, I guarantee if I was doing that, that like the G10 especially or carbon fiber, getting that, those fine fibers and stuff uh, into your skin would be really shitty too. I, don't, I, I, had, know, so. I used to have a problem. I used to have a problem when I was, I think when I was bigger, I had a problem with like, I was not getting, like I was getting like, I was getting like, athlete's foot in my armpits or something like that. I was like, I was, when I was much bigger, I was having like more fungal things. It was a problem. Called and a yeast I infection. It wasn't a yeast infection. What, I, my, I didn't, I was not a yeast infection. Thank you very much. But it was some sort of fungal thing and I lost weight and I don't get it at all. And okay. what I had that time was I would get, when I would cut G10 on the band, on the table saw, the dust would get on the underarms of my my underarms and then I would have a, I would have a, like a dermatitis or a rash. So I'd always wear long sleeve shirts, especially mm. in the summertime was the worst. And then I switched over to a tile saw and there's no dust at all. And, uh, we got a little air conditioner in here to make it not so bad. Too. So that's, that's the, that's one thing. Ooh, one thing I would highly, that's well, whatever it takes. Sometimes efficiency, you know, labor and efficiency is, is it's all in it. Yeah. One thing I would suggest is, you know, I know that, I was thinking about the, the gloves thing. And nowadays, I never, I don't, my hand, I use a push stick to push the blade against the belt, fl flat against the platen. And I know it's going to get hot after two swipes. Like in my mind, sure. I'm just like, I don't need to feel it. So right, right. what I do is I get, I get myself into the um, mindset of dunk the blade after a swipe or two. Like, you know, it's getting hot. And when you when it's wet and you hit it on the grinder again, you see the 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 oil the 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 water bubbling on the other side. All right, it's hot. So let's stick it in again. Yeah. So I don't need to touch it to know that it's hot. I know that it's hot. So like I I think that 
the move for this guy, Anonymous, I think you could just do the gloves. I don't think if you, especially if you're just doing this for fun and you want to be into it, you don't need to stick your hand, you don't, wear your gloves. You don't need to, you don't need to feel the knife. I mean, at, at the, during the grinding parts, because especially if you have that eczema, I know my dad had eczema on his elbows and I remember how gross it was. And, and a friend of mine, it's just uncomfortable, not gross, uncomfortable. Sure. Yeah. And I have other friends who have eczema and they're very uncomfortable a lot. I think that your move is do the gloves and just be like, all right, the fucker's going to get hot. So every third pass, I'm going to put it in the water. Yeah. And then just don't bother with worrying about if your fingers feel it or not. You'll get comfortable doing it. That's what I would do. Yeah. No, and I think especially if you haven't heat treated the knife, like a push stick is your friend because you can just hog the shit out of that. You don't have to worry about how hot the blade's getting. Um and you know and you probably want to quench it every once in a while but in the finish grinding i a push stick obviously like you were just saying is also a great resource um and and part of the reason i i like using the nitrile gloves versus leather gloves is the steam burns he was saying earlier because that that leather will hold moisture and as it gets hot it transfers that steam or that steam heat that hot water and it, that burns your fingers probably worse than if your hands were bare right um but the nitrile gloves still allow you to have some of that dexterity and that that tactility so that you're feeling the heat. You have some of that kind of nuanced control sometimes if you want that for the way you're grinding. Um, but honestly, yeah, like you're saying, the push stick is actually a great resource for probably like 90% of blade grinding, finish grinding, yeah. either preheat treat or post-heat treat grinding. It's um, great. Yeah. And it keeps you flat on the gr- on the it keeps you flat on the pl- on the on the platinum. One thing one thing that I have noticed a big difference is, is the the your end of the your, the end of the push stick that's touching the steel. If mm. it's domed, you end up getting a different pass than if it's flat. So I'm constantly conscious of how the push stick end is because okay. you can get like if you're not 100 percent flat. You can get like a point, like your. That's part of the problem with your thumb. If you're using your thumb to push, for some reason, maybe you're not getting it completely flat against the 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 platen. So I'm a big fan of the push stick, and I like to cut the end that touches where I don't do flat because I don't want my elbow in tight. I make a 45, and then oh, it see. allows me to have my thumb. If I'm if my hand is like if I was riding a motorcycle, that's the hand that's holding the push stick, and then my thumb is against the end that's pushing against the thing. So it's not straight. You're not tight. You're not uncomfortable. If you put a forty. Oh, dude, it's the it's changed the way so, I do it. Because so you're, you're standing. You're not, I guess I'm trying to visualize how you're standing in relationship to the grinder. I'm so standing, you're standing square, square up, straight right. in front of it. Square up on the grinder. See, that's 100%. interesting. So when I grind, I'm actually kind of canted off at kind of somewhat of a 45 degree angle, so that my my arm and and my hand, my elbow is just like a straight line pushing straight right. into the platen. Right. Um. I mean, obviously, both work. Yeah. But I could see how if you're, you're, square, you're square to the platen, that that rounded face of the push stick uh, would really well, help. No, it's just a 45. So oh, sorry, like, 45. It's a 45, so when you're pushing, your hand is not in a weird angle with the wrist is in a weird angle. It's been it's been a huge help to me. So okay. look at that, guys. We're fucking answering questions here. Um, next one comes to from Robert Pierce, our friend Robert Pierce. He says, currently listening to the last episode, Jeff mentioned something about jumping on a new social media platform to lock in his account name uh, and maybe regretting it. I hadn't thought about 
brand protection in social media, but I am now. Jeff, why did you have second thoughts? What are your guys' thoughts on at least locking in your brand name, even if you're not going to use the platform, just to protect it from being used by just to protect it from being used by impersonators that can ruin your reputation? Um, so <laughs> Instagram started this goddamn threads. It's it's like his. It's like, and frankly, I'm not 100 percent sure anybody's using it. <laughs> you know, it's like <laughs> it's like it was such a huge. You know, it's one of those things everyone jumps on it real quick. Um, it's, uh, Mark Zuckerberg's version of Twitter to go after Elon Musk. Right. Yeah. And the only reason why I did it was because, uh, Tomer Botner wrote to me and he says, you better get, you better get on this before someone takes your name. And like I said, last week, Tomer tells me to do something. I do it. And he, because he's very like, he's very, uh, conservative in things that he says and does. So if he says you do something, you do it. And you don't ask him, like, oh, God damn it, I'm going to do this. The thing about Twitter is I don't, I use it to read about stuff. And I have gotten, I've been on Twitter since the Mumbai attacks like 13 years ago. And I've like, I like, I like the news. I used to like the news aspects of it as you can kind of create your own, you know, group of people and mm-hmm. you get this news a little bit faster than the websites. But I don't feel the need to be pithy. You know what I'm saying? Like, I don't need to, like, espouse my opinions on things in written words. I did that in Facebook back in the day. Like, Jeff is feeling whatever. It's like (laughs) I did it just to kind of, like, do it. But now for me, social media is strictly about, like, the business that I don't feel the need to be clever in 120 words. Like, it's just like... Really? Nobody cares. You know, I got to be clever. I'll be trying to be clever. I'll try to be clever here, you know, when I'm getting paid, you know. So um, I did it because I thought, well, you better get on something. And I always feel like I'm the, I'm, I'm the last to get on these things. Mm. And then in regards to, well, what do you think? Let's, let's, let's we're gonna unpack this. I mean, obviously, there are uh, some reliable resources on through social media, like Twitter and such, such for news. Um, so I, I do see the value there. But I feel like for the most part, it seems like it's people just throwing out hot takes or, yeah. or saying outrageous shit, honestly, just for the attention um, rather than actually contributing anything meaningful. Well, what um, is your opinion on, what is your opinion on you gr- getting on these things to protect your brand from being, cause that I, was a thing for a long time. People would, sure. if you could go on Twitter, you could come out, you could take somebody's name. Right. And then that's why verification started is because, you know, a comedian wanted his name and then they had to go to the real, whatever Jim Norton. And then he had right. to try to buy the name back and they're holding the names hostage. And it's like, it's like, you know, somebody's stealing a name of your website and stuff like that. And then you got to be paid off. If people still do that with URLs oh, sure. or websites. It's, of course. And, and then you have to be like, Hey, I need, I want that. And they're like, okay, what you're going to, what, how much are you going to pay me for it? Yeah. So I do see, uh, I can understand the value in that. I think, uh, but can you not just sign up for it and then never fucking use it just so that you have, that yeah. Protected. Yeah. That's what, that's I mean, got, right? <laughs> I threads. I'm like, I'm putting something on, but I'm not really like, not wholeheartedly. You know, it's like I'm just like, okay, am I supposed to do something now? And I don't know. I, I, I. You know, the funny thing is, is like, I try to think of my demo and why I like Instagram. And I mm-hmm. liked Instagram in the beginning because it was my, 
it was my way of not having to have a, as an, I was my, if you look deep, deep, deep back into Jeff Fader on Instagram, which was like the original shit, it was like my not having to get a gallery and I could like promote myself and then I was getting business through it. And it was a visual, it was a visual platform that worked well with what I do, which Mm -hmm. is, you know, people got to see what I'm doing, you know? Twitter, it's like, I'm not a fucking journalist. I'm not a fucking comedian. I mean, the people who do things on Twitter and all these other social media platforms, it just doesn't just jive for me. Even TikTok. Like, it's just not really for me. So Instagram is for me. It works for me, and it's yeah. great. And I, when I look at the demographics of the people who are looking at my stuff, they're my guys. They're like the people that I 25 to 45 is my, like, bread and butter, and that's where I kind of want it to be. Um, I do think that if it matters to you, you should definitely try to protect your brand. Mm-hmm. I get worried about that, but at the same time, I'm just like, if I'm never going to use Twitter, what do I care? I mean, I have a full blast podcast Twitter account. I have a fucking Vader Knives Twitter account. I have right. G Billion, and I don't really do anything on it. I don't, I don't, frankly, I'm sick of it. It's just, it's just all kind of ghoulish. Ghoul, it's all ghoulish to me. Well, so. and wasn't when it first came out, part of the idea was that it's like, it's the world's water cooler. It's like where people come together to have conversations. But well, really, do you remember when it first, when it first made waves yeah. was years ago yeah. when there was a terrorist attack in Mumbai. That's how people were communicating. And that it was a it was a big deal because people were talking about Twitter. Like, this is this way that these people involved, you know, who were... Uh, victims of this t- giant terrorist attack, they were able mm-hmm. to talk to their family. It was like WhatsApp to the certain to a certain degree, right. and that's what really kind of put it on the map. And they're talking about 14, 15, 13, 14 years ago, and um, and then it kind of morphed into something different. But like, I mean, that's the thing about these goddamn social media. Do you want to make sure that you have? I know people who do TikToks who just don't want anything to do with it. Yeah. You know? You're not going to jump on there and do like lip syncing or some fun I mean, dances. I mean, I, I mean, you started, I mean, do you do, do you use TikTok? You started, I, you got in there when it first came out. And you're just yeah, like, I did. Uh, I haven't really used it at all. Yeah. In five years. <laughs> you did that one video. I love that one video at the, the beginning where you were lip syncing to a coffee, doing coffee. Oh yeah. Doing like coffee, coffee video. It was so silly. It was, it was fun though. Look, yeah, that was the thing. If you had a good time, you enjoyed it, then it's all good. I, yeah, I, th- I mean, I think it does, like, especially, so, sorry to interrupt, but, no, like, TikTok, it, especially for people who maybe um, outwardly um, in in actual physical public might be a little bit uh, more kind of conservative or reserved, um, but when they're by themselves or with their family or with close friends, they're a little bit more outgoing. Like, it's an opportunity or way for them to show that side of themselves and that personality, Um in uh, you're doing you're you know you're taking this video in a private setting so you there is a little bit of that security there but then you're putting it out to the world to share with the world and if that's something that you're comfortable doing or something you want to do more of or share or that's a side of yourself you want to share i do think that like tiktok would be a great outlet for people but for the most part um i i don't really have much use for it i you know some people slip through the cracks and they go viral and then it's yeah. like pretty wild and i hear other knife makers telling me that they have like you know they'll have like a couple thousand viewer of a couple thousand people on instagram but then they'll mm-hmm. have like a million followers on tiktok i'm just like who are these fucking people right you know so and then okay, when i talk about social media this whole time if i were to if i were to suggest going to a, a uh 
This is another bad one. If I were to suggest going to uh, Instagram, I would go to Maritime Knife Supply on Instagram. They are a, the one-stop shop for knife makers. They have steel belts, abrasives, handle materials, tools, forges, kilns, and more. They're also the distributor of Damasteel. They're the distributor of Broadback. And I just found out they are now a Canada, a Canada. Guess what you get? Gator piss. That's right. right, ladies and gentlemen. They are a distributor of Gator Piss from Baker Forge and Tool. Uh, it's a great, it's a great, it's great stuff. Give it a try. Uh, gator is short for alligator. Piss is short for urine. Get yourself some <laughs> of that Gator Piss from Better Time Knife Supply, and you can get some Rhino Wet. They, you got everything. If you, if you, we talk about it, and he gets it. So MaritimeKnifeSupply.com, and uh, they are also the uh, they are sponsoring the Great Lakes Custom Knife Show uh august 19th in ontario so check out the great lakes custom knife show or great lakes custom knife show.com our great lakes custom knife show on instagram uh what's the next question the next question is from we just did Rob, robert pierce right right uh we got peter tal uh he says hey guys uh, i had a family I had a, sorry, Jesus Christ. I just had a family get together uh, in my parents' backyard, and inevitably everybody wanted to see my workshop, which is in the garage right next to it. I'm happy to show them, but a few people gave me the question of what, uh, what if you sell a knife to a guy who stabs somebody with it? I replied saying, I don't think a stabber would spend hundreds of dollars on a kitchen knife to go stab someone with. I mostly give them away to my chef friends anyway right now. I want to know how we as knife makers can help to try uh, to change the stigma that every knife is a weapon, every car, frying pan, and even the damn pencils, plus thousands of other things can be just as deadly. So, fellas, uh, how can we make knives less scary? Or is it just fuck Hollywood on this one? Cheers and thanks for all the laughs. You guys are awesome. So, Well, there's a lot to unpack here. Number okay. one is a lot of crimes of passion are done with something that's in their immediate vicinity. I don't think, I think that people killing, people using culinary knives as a weapon are usually a spur of the moment situation as a whole, I would imagine. I don't, I mean, obviously I don't know, but like, you know, it crosses your mind. My, my sister said to me, she's like, well, what happens if someone, you know, said the same thing to me. She's like, well, what happens if someone uses your knife as a thing? I had a friend of mine who's a cop in Harlem and he says, I cannot wait to get somebody with one of your knives. I can't wait. And I'm oh, going to wow. call you immediately. I'm, and it's just like, you know, you think about it. For sure, you think about it. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. Like, how, how do you change the stigma? I mean, I don't think, one, you can't really do anything about what people do with the things that are around them. Like, they could just as easily, yeah, whatever, grab something heavy or pointy, even a letter opener, honestly. Of course, It'd be dangerous. Yeah, a brick. But, uh, you know, whatever. It's like there's nothing. I mean, you you don't hear people the you know going after the brick lobby. Yeah, you know, it's like <laughs> you know, it's like they're, those damn brick layers. They're making they, them too heavy. The people are people are fucking terrible. Um, yeah. and they'll do whatever it takes. The funny thing is, is there is years and years and centuries and centuries of. So I had uh, Ryan Brewer on. Okay, and uh, Ryan Brewer is a knife maker. He's also a sword maker. And he took the uh, the Peter Johnson sword class, the very the famous, very famous Peter Johnson does a sword class, in uh, and in like the you know 
a who's who of makers take that class. And they were talking about the, he, Ryan was saying that when you're making a sword, it isn't for cutting trees. It isn't for, <laughs> it isn't for making dinner. It is meant as a weapon to kill someone. He's like, you just, let's just cut the shit. You know, it's, he didn't say that. He's a very, you know, whatever. Yeah. And he said, he said, you know, you gotta be very intentional when, when you decide to make a sword and what's the intention of it. Mm-hmm. He said, because it's, you know, that's it. Sword is not for, you know, LARPing. <laughs> you know, you make a sword, it's for killing somebody or whatever. Yes. And it was a very interesting topic of conversation. And I think that's one of the reasons why, you know, I try to do culinary knives, but at the same time, you, you know, you think about it. It's, it's, they're back. I'm not going to pretend like we need to like grab signs and run around and protest. But at the same mm-hmm. time, it's just like, ah, I don't know what you do except for, you know, try to be a good person and, you know. I don't know, frankly. I don't know what do you do. Obviously, because they're having a hell of a time in the UK. Can't even have. They're trying to ban sharp cut culinary knives in in the UK. They want to knock up, knock the tips off. Really? Yes. They don't, they're like you know that's a that's a big <laughs> that's a big thing. They want to have. Or, or I'm under the impression that they would prefer you know yeah. the, their the knife crime in the UK is so bad that they prefer <laughs> they have blunt ass knife. I don't know what they expect you to cut your boring ass food with i mean mean, you can't have a tip on there well and i uh, so i think that's what is supposed to have led to the the development of the french style chef's knife uh, because so many knives and things that people used either at the table or or in the kitchen were so pointy and they're having so many issues that they it was required that they had to be blunted and so the French chef's, that is where the design for the French chef's knife came in. It still has somewhat of a point, but it's not going to po or like stab somebody as uh, like a dagger would. Right. right. And so it was illegal. And so, um, and then, so that's how the French chef's knife profile was developed. And so it's interesting that, and I, I think that was like, I, I, I have no idea. Maybe the middle uh, the dark ages or something like that. Um, but, um, they're taking a page obviously out of that book but what here's the thing is it like it doesn't matter like like this guy uh P- pete Tal is asking you know people's just gonna find something else that's pokey there no one's going after the baseball back bat factories right you know i yeah. mean you could do you know, I, we just have to like you when you see people here's a good example you see you see a guy like chef Jacques Pepin. he yeah. is very this is a small older guy He's not in, he's not trying to do anything intimidating. I mean, he's just like showing you how a knife is supposed to be used. Mm-hmm. When you start to, you know, we all, let's face it, a lot of knife makers who are, you know, on Instagram and they're trying to do things, we try to do all the sexy shit, the ninja shit and the cutting thing and the <laughs> trying to be like, you know, uh, you know, very macho and it, that contributes to it. There's no, I mean, we put the harpoon clips on chef knives for what? <laughs> Except for they look cool or badass or, you know, mm-hmm. we, that's it. We're, you know, I don't know what to say other than like, well, in regards to Hollywood, you can thank, you can blame and thank Hollywood for everything. 
because uh, the most anti-social you know, group in the world. They've been for for years and years. They've been pushing down violence as a source of uh, justification and and righteousness. And violence is a source of the hero is righteous by using his fist to solve a problem or shoot somebody or do it. We've all been accustomed to the fact that the hero has a gun and kills somebody, and that mm. there's no ramifications or they beat somebody up or whatever. So you know you can thank hollywood for all of it you know you can thank and help and hurt and whatever everything from hollywood so you just gotta do your thing i don't know you tell you tell your friend it's like uh, we i you know what i usually say to people is this oh it's so dangerous i'm like well you got to cut your the crust off your peanut butter and jelly somehow and that usually stops it just you know look you gotta cut your fucking toast right Grandma needs to, you know, your little baby needs to cut the cut the chicken up, right? What are you going to do? Use a spoon? You got to chew it up and baby bird it in their mouth? Now you got to cut it with something, right? right. So, I, I think know, a System of a Down has a song about blaming Hollywood. I think it's called Lost S- in Hollywood. System of a Down. We hear System of a Down every so often. Yeah. System of a Down's we, good. Mm, yeah. I don't, honestly, I don't think there is anything to do about the stigma. You can do the best you can to try to protect yourself. Uh, with legalese and terms of use in yes. your knives, uh, uh, like when when you sell your knives, that's something I do. Um, and by somebody paying an invoice, they are agreeing to those terms um, that I can't be held <laughs> basically responsible. Um, but otherwise, it's it's hard to control anybody. Yeah, so, that's the that's thing. You can't, you can't you can't you can't stop everybody. people from throwing phones up at in concerts. Throwing stuff at, at at singers at concerts. That's a new trend. You know about this? No. What throwing? Oh my the god! Phone people are throwing. Throw. They're throw. They're going to concerts and throwing stuff at the. They're throwing their phone, hoping that the that the that the uh, the singer will take the phone, take a selfie, and give it back. And this woman was hit in the head. Oh, with a phone, it's got like four stitches. Oh, Jesus. And now, and the, the people are acting out. They're throwing shit at the singers, and the singers are just like, I don't want to do this anymore. Well, oh, they're not geez. saying that, but it's like, <laughs> you know, they're, I mean, they're, people are getting, you know, people are crazy. They're getting worse. People are getting worse. We're yeah. doing worse things. Look, well, you just, be, I, I say just make a joke. Just say, ah, oh, you got to. You know, well, I mean, unless you don't have teeth, you got to, you got to gum the food with something, you know, something like that. <laughs> you know, just be funny. Um, Falcon Knives AK says, Hey guys, I was approached this weekend to make some steak knives for a restaurant, large bulk order. Knowing how restaurant kitchens work, these, uh, these will end up going through a washer and sitting in the water for hours. What steel and handle materials would you recommend? I was thinking AEBL and maybe G10 scale, serrated blade or no. Uh, I would probably offer a yearly sharpening on them as well. Thank you. Um, this is a Craig question, but I think we can handle it. I think we can handle it. Yeah. Um, uh, the, the fucking AEBL is going to rust <laughs> in a dishwasher. It yeah, it's going to fucking rust oh. in a dishwasher, you know, in a dish machine. Because these motherfuckers aren't going to wash, they're not going to dry them down. They're going to let the machine do them. You kind of have to hand wash uh, these. I mean, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm wrong. But I would highly suggest, you know having a real conversation with these people because number one is number one they're gonna they, they're not gonna take care of them the way you think they're gonna take care of them right um well and whether that message gets passed down the chain of command too oh yeah these motherfuckers dishwasher gonna, these throwing everything they, on the flat rack and shoving it through a 180 degree dishwasher 
it's just the 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 problem is is that like stainless is you know there's some stainlesses that are that are impervious but i think that so, like, if you left aebl out to dry for you know left it wet to dry it's gonna fucking it's gonna fucking rust yeah okay, overnight it's gonna rust yeah and then as soon as it starts to rust then you get the calls so you have to have something in play. And I could be wrong. Somebody's going to say, that's not true. Fine, go ahead. You don't want to get the call when they say, oh, there's these spots on here that we can't figure out. And then the problem is, well, why am I saying it's a problem? It's not a problem. The problems are meant to be solved. G10 is great. The issue is with dish machines is the... The only reason why you really, really need epoxy if you're going to use Corby bolts or some sort of fastening device is it's a seal to make sure stuff doesn't get shoved in between the scales and the knife. Right. Because you don't want gunk to get in there. Yeah. What do you think? Well, I think over... So I, in my past life, before I became a knife maker, actually just before I became a knife maker, I was a professional dishwasher. And uh, those things are running fucking hot. They're 180 degrees Fahrenheit you, at least because especially in an, an industrial kitchen or restaurant, um, ideally most of the washing is being done outside of the dishwasher. The dishwashers are actually only really supposed to be meant for sanitizing. So th- right. that high temperature is part of that. A lot of the detergents are insanely caustic. Like you do not want to fucking touch these things with your bare skin. You don't want to get it on your bare skin. It's so gnarly. Um, but the dishwashing cycles, I, I, a part of me actually thinks that it might be possible to successfully wash these, but part of the issue is putting them in, putting things through a dishwasher, especially on a flat rack, um, is that, which means it's like literally just flat. And that's where all like the small things like, you know, anything from a shrimp fork to a knife or whatever the fuck goes in there. Um, is that they're clanging around with other metal things. And that's part of the problem. That's one of the things that really causes metal knives that go through dishwashers to dull quickly is that they're clanging around with other shit. There's the edge, like you can make it out of the best steel, but the problem is that the edge is if it's sharpened properly, it's really refined. So it's sharp, but it's also fragile at, at the same time. And so when it's hitting other metal things, it's hitting ceramic glass or coffee cups or whatever fuck or, or other spoons and flatware, like it's going to, all of that is going to wear down that edge. So if there is a way to f- create a rack that these knives can go in and then go through the dishwasher, I think that would work, especially and realistically only if it is immediately after it goes through is immediately hand polished or dried off. That high temperature does help the excess moisture. Uh, to get off, but hand polishing won't really help with those blades. Like hand polish, just drying it off with a hand towel, um, which are, you know, all th- all throughout any kind of restaurant kitchen, um, and that should actually help um, with keeping them sharp and um, and and uh, for a longer period of time. So they're not clanging against other shit, and there isn't like residue from the dishwasher drying on the surface of the knife because one, it's gonna look like shit anyways. You don't want it coming out of the, if you let it dry on the, on the silverware, it's going to end up getting all spotty. So you want to hand polish it anyways. Um, but you are going to want to, like he's saying, he wants to sh- offer a sharpening service once a, uh, once a year. Uh, I think realistically, you're probably going to want to do it, especially if it's a really big order. 
you probably want to come in and work in batches somehow. I don't know how you figure out what batch of knives you're doing, or you just take a, a handful of 20 knives or something like that, and you whip them out and sharpen them. Um, but I, it, he's asking about serrations. What are your thoughts on serrations on steak knives? If I, I were doing a bulk order of yeah. serrated knives, <clears throat> a bulk order of steak knives, yeah, I would, if for a restaurant, ain't going to fucking call you once a year. They're going to call you once a, as soon as they know that you can come and sharpen them, they're calling you at least once a month. Right. If they're using them. And I would be like, "Oh man, I fucking stuck it, right?" Cuz they're going to call you up and like these things aren't sharp anymore. We got to do something about it. Mm-hmm. I would consider for a restaurant order, I would try to figure out a way to do those micro serrations. You can get them <clears throat> they have these like stones that do like you bump it once. It's like a, it's what you mm. put it on a grinding wheel and then they can do like five or six. I don't know Jimmy Duress has got one. Um, and you could do like, it'll five or six serrations in one shot. Right. I would strongly consider for a restaurant, I would, unless they're really like, we sharpen all of our knives and we're, I would like consider the fact that they probably are going to be flea bags. Like restaurant people are the worst. I mean, they literally, it doesn't matter how high up the food chain you mm-hmm. go, restaurant people are fucking flea bags. <laughs> and if your steak knife is in a razor blade and they're going to fuck it up, drop it on the floor or whatever, and you know, or what, who knows what happens. The guy puts it in one time wrong when the blade's down, they're all dull. They're going to call you up. That's for sure. Yeah. Um, well, they're going to get used for all kinds of stuff that they're not meant for, too. Yeah. Breaking up ice, uh, fucking hitting something that is, or stabbing into something that's not supposed Open to. Open up opening cans. boxes, opening cans. Yeah, all kinds of stupid shit. My boy, Carl Ruiz, when I made him the Cuban knife, he sent me a video of him opening up cans with the knife. I mean, he was fucking popping the can. I was like, what are you doing? I don't want to fix this knife. He's like, don't worry, it's fine. <laughs> he was knocking holes in the cans with the goddamn knife. I was like, for fuck's sake, don't call me up when there's a problem. <laughs> but uh, if I were to do, I'll tell you, if I were to do a batch of knives for a restaurant, I would have a conversation with them saying, look, you got to figure out a way you can, these things aren't going to get taken because people are going to want to take them. Right. Number two is I would do G10 handles with a thin layer of some sort of seal so I would not have to worry about the water getting in. I would have to tell them that they really, really should hand wash these. Most likely, depending on the kind of place it is, when people offer those, in the United States at least, mm-hmm. I don't think special steak knives are used as often. Um, I would consider getting a serrated serrations just because they're not going to care and they're going to want it to be sharp. You know, especially they got a tough ass steak. Um, well, and that they're being used on typically on top of ceramic dishware. Right, yeah. right. But then they get worried that the you know you're ruining their plates. You know, so I, it's a tough spot. I would go. I would try to think about all the problems that you could have, and then try to avoid them. The sharpening is going to be an issue because they're going to be asking you to sharpen it more than once a year. There's just no. I mean, there's just yeah. no. If these are heavy rotation knives. A year isn't going to be enough. They're going to be like, you know, some, <laughs> I can picture this Alsatian general manager saying, who made these, where are these knives? These knives are dull. We can't cut steaks with these goddamn knives. Because that's the other thing. Like, you get a restaurant guy in, and then, like, he's trying to cut through that beautiful steak, but his fucking steak knife sucks. Mm. Then they're going to call you up in a fucking flurry. So, there you go. Steak yeah. knives. And if you have anything you want to add? No, I agree with I you. I love the idea of, of coming up with like something you can stick in the dishwashing machine. 
So the, that that's a that's a fucking good idea. Like if you could, yeah. if you could three D print like a case that sure. could go in the dishwashing machine, that's a great idea. Well, and part of the reason that I think that at least for that kind of uh, context that would work well is because those dishwashing cycles are like two or three minutes. It's really quick. It's not like they're sitting in there for hours sloshing around and all that shit. They're in and out because again, it's mostly. I, the goal is for it really to just be a sanita- uh, sanitizing cycle. Right. And all the other like previous dishwasher, like any gunk and shit on it, it's getting cleaned off beforehand because it's actually really bad for those machines for excess food and grease and oil to get in th- or to be going through them. You um, know, you know what's funny? Kyla Cummings is very funny. Every She used to do this thing where she would rate the steak knives at restaurants. Okay. She did that a couple times, and I was just like, you know, this is a fucking funny idea, because like obviously the restaurant people don't give a shit. No. I mean, they they don't give a shit at all. I mean, they'll get <laughs> they'll go to Canal Street and get the cheapest shit they can get. You know, people you can go to the nicest restaurant in the world. They don't they don't they don't all have like custom made knives. You know, and she was rating the she was rating the knives of steak joints and restaurant. I thought that was a very clever thing. What's Shout Canal out to, Street? Oh yeah, sorry. Canal Street's where all the restaurants is like the Alibaba of New York. Well, I mean, before that, but I mean, yeah, more or less, like if you needed something, in a, you needed like, you know, you needed uh, stainless steel t- tables made quick or you needed stuff, you could get stuff there. But uh, shout out to Kayla. I think she's expecting, a, her, she and her, her boy are expecting a, a, a child. So congratulations yeah. to her. Before we get into the next question, which is yeah. going to be a Mareko Momasi special, let's oh, talk about Broadback Ironworks. Broadback Ironworks is the makers of 2x72 grinders made by knife makers for knife makers and metal workers. I just did this railing, and I used the Broadback Ironworks, and it really, if it wasn't for that, I would have a hard time making this railing, uh, sure. doing all the stuff. So go to, 100%, go to broadbackironworks.com, put in the promo code KNIFETALK10 for 10% off all the kits. I mean, when I say kits, the packages... The attachments, um, they're also in uh, Australia now with Gamaco. So if you're in Australia, you want to get a hold of them, get yourself squared away with Gamaco. Um, but I love these broadbacks. And stay tuned, guys. They're going to have power hammers available soon. So keep your eyes peeled with old broadback ironworks. And uh, if you're in Canada, Maritime Knife Supply has uh, the broadbacks in, 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 uh, in tow. So broadbackironworks.com, promo code knife talk 10. All right. I'm going to read this one to you. I think this one is going to be cool sailing for you. Cool sailing for you. And uh, guys, Mike LaFrenchie has something to say. Our, a new listener, I think, because they got a great new name. Mike LaFrenchie says, when, tile wel- when, tiling welding- when tile welding mosaics using steel sheets to sandwich the tiles, should I be worried about carbon migration from my knife steel into the mild steel cladding? Carbon migration to the point my steel no longer hardens well. I could avoid this by using high carbon steel cladding. However, this obviously costs more than mild steel. I don't want to invest unnecessary money in cladding uh, that will turn into dust with the angle grinder after welding is complete. I'm typically using 1084, 15 and 20 in the mosaics. Uh, and mild steel sheets cladding, sheet cladding to assist in welding the clean uh, tile. My blades are hardening fine, but it seems to be, and it seems to be working. I'm interested in your thoughts on the topic. So some guys you see, they'll make a tile Damascus or whatever, and yeah. then they'll weld a, like a, I think it's probably to get oxygen out 
keep the oxygen out. They'll weld a steel plate. I know Kyle Royer does it. He welds a steel plate around it and then blah, blah, blah. What are your thoughts on cladding? Will that clad, will there be carbon migration and what's the ins and outs of cladding to and avoiding that? Whatever. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? I've yeah. said it all. Yeah, you, you read the thing. So, yeah, typically, or uh, a technique that people use, uh, um, it's called a lot of different things, but essentially you're putting what is sacrificial steel. This is steel that is not going to be become part of the finished product. This is steel that's literally just on there as a kind of a, a force of uh, a, a form of bracing to help keep things together while you're welding the material, the, the good material, your tiles, your Damascus tiles together. Right. Um, some people call it canning. Some people call it whatever. I've called it canning. I have, I've actually on my Instagram, I've showed using, like he mentions here, uh, scrap uh, bandsaw blades, uh, like big lumber mill bandsaw blades uh, that are made out of 15 and 20 um, as a form of kind of canning uh, to help um, kind of keep the oxygen out so that the material comes together as well as to, again, brace and support the tiles as they're coming together and forming strong bonds. But yeah, the issue with using mild steel, especially in direct contact with... <clears throat> with your good steel that's on the inside is that um, you have a very big difference between the carbon content in that mild steel cladding and the carbon content of your blade, your, your Damascus blade steel that's wrapped up inside. And what's going to happen when you get to a high temperature is that carbon is going to start getting to a high enough point, a high enough temperature and energetic point that the, it's going to actually start moving around not only throughout the the carbon steel that's the your blade steel but it's going to be also transitioning into that mild steel cladding which is the decarburization that he's talking about it it will and it'll move actually somewhat aggressively and preferentially to a lower carbon content area because that material that carbon within the steel wants to regulate and when you're doing these tiled cans the idea is that you're welding you're intentionally welding that that cladding, whatever it is, uh, whether it's mild steel or um, 15 and 20 or whatever, you're welding that to the tiles uh, to, again, add that support. It's, it's, it's like putting a brace around a broken arm or something like that. It helps support it as it comes together, as it heals in a way, and, and, and as those welding bonds uh, are created between the different tiles. Um, the benefit of using the high carbon steel is that it, it is of the same carbon content. So you're not going to get as much of that, of that carbon depletion action um, that you would with mild steel. So one thing that uh, Jeff mentioned last week, I believe you brought up Steve Swarzer's um, video for making canned Damascus, right? Right. And the foil. Yeah. So something that people do, and I was actually just talking to Shane Taylor about this yesterday, um, is that they will use heat treating foil. Um, Shane uses fresh stuff for some of the canning process that he does when he's welding, welding up tricky bits. Um, but also people use, um, spent foil. So foil that's been exposed to high temperatures have gone through heat treating processes, or you honestly, you could literally bake it either in the forge or in your kiln while you're doing other processes or as a result of like Jeff does all kinds of uh, foil work when he's doing the heat treating of his stainless steel knives. Or, or if you have a friend that does that, you can have them flat rate you a box full of foil. 
Um, my friend Will Brigham actually does that. Um, he gets foil to help with his his canning weld ups. So the idea is that it's not just uh, or that that foil would become an additional layer between your tiles and your mild steel. Um, it, it you'll it acts as a barrier. And it keeps that uh, because it's a, I think it's a 300 series. So there's basically, I don't think there's any iron in the 300 series uh, stainless um, wraps and foils and stuff like that. And so um, there isn't kind of like that draw um, to pull carbon out of the material. So it acts as a barrier. So that's one way you could do it. But the, but then the trade-off is that that scaffolding, that extra material or that's that uh, that's on the outside isn't physically welding to your blade steel and then so therefore you don't really have the benefit of that extra support so you there's going to be trade-offs if you go this route i honestly like you can buy uh 15 and 20 for honestly pretty inexpensively if you're already making damascus yeah. maybe try to use the 15 and 20 that you incorporate into your damascus like I have pieces of uh, my 15 and 20 comes an inch and a half wide by five inches long. So if I can figure out the amount of material I need for one knife to fit within that, that piece, those p two pieces of 15 and 20 that would go on either side, then I'm, you know, that honestly is like maybe 75 cents, 50 cents worth of steel. That for me is worth that waste or sacrifice uh, to help add that extra kind of level of security because that, that 15 and 20 is going to weld to my core material, uh, to my tiles. It's going to help support it and brace it as it, it is, as it's coming together. It, it, when I grind it off, I'm not heartbroken because it was only 50 cents. Um, because it's high carbon steel, I'm not worried about it leaching excess carbon out of my, my good core steel. That's going to become a blade. I, I honestly, like, I really like using the canning process and I intentionally use a high carbon steel because again, I'm trying to prevent unnecessary loss of carbon because the steel is already to get to that point where you're tiling has probably gone through at least three or four welding cycles, lots and lots of time at high temperatures, welding temperatures, forging temperatures. So whatever you can to help preserve what, what you have left, there still should be plenty left, plenty of carbon left to make a good steel knife or to make a good knife but um i say uh at the especially when you're getting to that point at the end when you're tiling that's that's not the place to skimp honestly so the you're gonna go through story all is, of that and don't cheap out at the very end when it's most important the moral um, of the story is don't be cheap don't be cheap i mean you're you know it's it not a long it's way not like, answer sorry i mean you know, but that, that made a lot of sense. No, I, I, I was, uh, it makes a lot of sense. We get to this point with, as knife makers, where we nickel and dime the wrong things. Sure. You know, and, and it's like, we think that, uh, well, you know, and a lot of it's because we don't value our own time, mm -hmm. you know, and then we see things that have a value on it, like a, a piece of steel. And uh, here's, in when you talk about foil, there are two different types you can get when you go to the supply places to get stainless steel foil. You can get two different types. You can have a high a high heat uh, foil, which it goes up to 2,200 degrees, or there's one that goes up to just under 2,000. Mm -hmm. Well, I'm never going over 2,000. 
So what's the point of getting the more expensive one if I'm never going over 2,200 degrees? Then I don't need to get there. 1975 or 2000, it's fine by me. Yeah. So that's the point where it's good to be cheap because it's like I'm not gaining anything by getting the more expensive one because I'm never going to be there anyway. But in, in regards to this, it's like, you know, just don't, you know, all your time is being spent making these tiles and the waiting and the annealing and the cutting and the sanding and the cleaning and the this and the that. Stop it. Don't just, just give yourself the, give yourself a nice slab of 15 and 20. Like the boss said, the boss said, don't boss be cheap. Said. Don't be cheap. <laughs> you're the, you're the, you're the boss. You're your apprentice bladesmith, ABS. Highest not rated yet. apprentice. Well, he's not even an apprentice. What's a pre-apprentice? Is it like a pupae or an embryo? <laughs> you're an embryo. I'm That's in the yeah. Are. I'm in the embryonic stage. Yeah, you're on the you're on the pre you're on the pre pre. I, I so where I get fifteen and twenty, especially in large form, if I don't have bandsaw blade material, um, is you can go find it on Admiral Steel. Maybe maybe reach out to actually uh, our friend La Lawrence Lake over at maritime knife supply he could probably source some as well at a pretty good price but you know you can get a eight inch wide by 36 inch long by 16th of an inch thick uh sheet of 15 and 20 for 40 bucks i mean yeah, what the fuck? stop fucking talking about it let's not even talk <laughs> about it anymore and if you're canning that is a ridiculous number of of sheets for cameras. come on it's let's ridiculous. not even talk about it anymore Done. it's over we did it it's over you did it you've <laughs> exhausted it from now on don't be cheap guys come on knock it off uh we got here's what we got we have listener feedback that's very very good let's do it and uh, before we get into listener feedback talking about steel we got can't can't help but talk about our friends damas steel absolutely damas steel.se is for all your Damasteel. And I'm super pumped about that. If you go to Damasteel.se and you put in the promo code Knife Talk, you're gonna get 10% off all this beautiful stainless Damascus that's just like gonna knock your socks off. It's easy to use, it's not intimidating, you should not be intimidated by using it. They have tons of advice, they have tons of guys who are using Damasteel yep. and uh, Maritime Knife Supply's got it too. So definitely check out Maritime Damasteel.se uh, uh, or AB on Instagram. Uh, they love this podcast. I get messed. Carly is all in on Knife Talk, and I can't. And uh, we're grateful to have you here. And we're going to see you at the Damasteel Invitational with everybody else, and see what they got going on with the uh, the build along. I'm psyched. So let's do a little feedback. If you want to give us some feedback, go to Instagram uh, Knife Talk Podcast on Instagram. You can send us all your feedback. This one comes from our friend, Knives by Nuge. Congratulations, BPS, to Knives by Nuge. He was on the cover of a knife magazine. His knives were on the cover of a knife magazine. It's a nice story because he was a former, I think he's in law enforcement in New Jersey, and he okay. gave it up. He gave it up to be a full-time knife maker, so God oh, bless wow. you, Knives by Nuge. But however, he's giving me fritz in this next question, so maybe I'll <laughs> rescind my uh, congratulations. You know what you should do? You should stop using your old toaster oven for Kydex. You can get a t-shirt heat press for just under 100 bucks, and you can get nice, even heats throughout the entire sheet of oh. Kydex. That's what, uh, last week we did a whole thing on Kydex, um, and I was, I'll tell you why I use the, why I said the oven. Number one, they're, they're easy to get a hold of globally. A toaster oven globally is easy to get a hold of, and it works very, very fine, to the point where, <laughs> very, I mean, very, I don't. Very, that's fine. 
It's fine. I mean, I, I live to the point where I'm not, I'm not like, I never say to myself, I need to figure something <laughs> different out. Like it does exactly what I want it to do. And they're easy to get a hold of. And God bless you. If you can use a, a t-shirt heat press, then use it. If you, whatever it takes to get it just on to evenly get it under 300 degrees. Right. I'm with you. So Knives by Nuge, I know what I should do. And I'm with you. Uh, I like that. I didn't know that they, those, because uh, those are for. How do you know? If they're for t-shirts, how would you know they're for Kydex? No, 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 no. I just, I did, I, I know what they are. Those, those t-shirt presses. I just didn't realize that they were that accessible. I thought. I Me thought neither. More than that. I had, I didn't even know they existed. No, no. So guys, throw out your ovens. We're going to fucking make our Kydex and t-shirt heat presses. So good old knives by Nuge. Next one comes from our friend. Jamie Harris. Jamie, we were talking last week. A guy got a pair of, he got a pile of uh, hockey skates oh. and he thought that they were 440C okay. and wanted to know what to do with them. P.S. Uh, he wrote back saying, You would come up with the idea to make bottle openers out of them and he hadn't thought about it and he thanked you. He wanted you to know it was a genius idea. So he's he working on it. But uh, Jamie Harris says, Hey guys, just listening to the newest podcast in response to the knife skate steel. I've had some tested and uh, can say that they were from uh, 420-ish stainless, not 440. So it's not hmm. the same as 440 seal. Yeah, you got to get them tested. Anytime you guys find some shit that you think you can use, get it tested. But we really know the real story, which is just go to our knife supply place and get some real shit. Don't, don't, uh, don't fool around. Oh, wow. 420 is a low carbon steel. It's, uh, uh, it's 0.15 by... Uh, by volume which yeah. is pretty low it's like a quarter of what we would ideally like to have yeah like i was saying i was i would think that they wouldn't be heat treated you never hear of you never hear of skates breaking or shattering or chipping so i would think that you i don't know what the hell do i know uh so the 420 there you go um seth rickinson says uh we were talking last week about uh big big jig barbecue <laughs> and I and he says uh, the quote he wrote he wrote that I had said was he got rid of a lot of the inside but left a lot of the outside. He says I damn near ran off the road thanks to you, Jeff. <laughs> so yeah, I guess you know when you gain a lot of weight, you lose a lot of weight. Sometimes that sometimes the outside's still there. When the inside's gone, the outside's there to remind you that it was there. What about uh, you? You've mentioned bigger you or referred to bigger you a few times. You, you got a little extra skin no. hanging off? No, but I want I wasn't going to bring this up. I okay. wasn't going to bring this up. All right. I'm starting to get abs. I'm not kidding. I, I'm fucking not kidding. Prove it. I've, I'm not proving it. I don't need to prove I'm telling you. I'm not fucking proving it. You're talking Wait, about your my dick out? right now. You're talking well, some no, I'm, serious I, I'm shit I'm getting right the top now. parts. I'm getting the top. I got the top part. The top parts. <laughs> I, I've been able to see my ribs for for over a year. And Ooh, then wow. I've not been eating. I've been eating uh, salads for lunch and then very low carbs. And I have, I'm starting to see the top of an ab. The top part. Not the fucking full six pack. <laughs> it's like the top part. And there's like a split. It's like a little triangular pyramid so the answer is no stretch marks i got through that fucking window with ease and i'm starting (laughs) starting starting i'm not saying i got them i'm saying i can start to make out the beginning stages of an app one app by the way don't hate on stretch marks 
Not, I didn't say anything about it. I mean, <laughs> God bless them. God bless stretch marks. Even I mean, people hey, who are in insanely great shape get stretch marks. It's of literally just the the action of the skin, or the the, the yeah expanding faster than yeah. It can good blood. I don't I got no problem thing. with the stretch mark. I got I got no extra. Got no <laughs> none of that shit. I'm I'm just telling you. I'm getting. Next I'm time I see, 50. I'll show you my biceps. I got all kinds of stretch marks. I don't need, you there. don't need to show me your biceps. <laughs> Just relax. don't worry about that. You don't need to show me anything. Okay, I didn't even want to say it. You, you used to ask me, me if I had a little extra. I'll show you mine. I'm not showing you nothing. I'm not doing. I'm just telling you. I'm the beginning stages. The very the pew the pew. I'm have the apprentice bladesmith, but pre-apprentice bladesmith of abs. So pre-apprentice. Okay. Uh, here we go. This is from Micah Witchery. Micah Witchery says in regards to heat treating foil cuts. We were talking about ain't get ain't get it worse. Cutting foil, I ain't anything worse. He says, Home Depot sells cut-resistant gloves that are pretty thin and even, a, and even phone screen compatible. Haven't cut myself once since I started using them years ago, wow. and they work great for holding on to paper when hand sanding so I don't lose my finger pads all the time. Also, McMaster Car sells foil pouches that are pre-sealed on three sides. They're a little bit more pricey, but I usually cut them in half, and then you only have two sides to work with, two sides to fold instead of four. Ah, uh, four. I would. I only. I don't. I only fold. I. I'll tell you how I cut the foil, and I haven't had a cut. I have a. I'll cut myself maybe once out of three hundred times, and and wow. David's been doing most of the foil cutting. And he uh, cut I see. He, that's the trick. You well, that's the trick. That is the, the trick. Have someone else do it. But there's the move is the best. The safest move is you get a good. You know, you roll it out and then you mark out how much you need. Like if I have a two foot roll or a two foot wide, I'll measure out six, uh, four six-inch pieces. And then I'll mark them with a Sharpie, and then I'll get my straight edge, and then I'll hold it down, and then I'll get a very, very sharp new razor knife. I'll mm -hmm. stab into the side that I'm cutting an eighth of an inch after the edge. And yep. this is the reason why. When you pull on the edge, if it doesn't immediately cut, It'll drag the foil yeah, with the terrible. knife, and then you're fucking you're you got to deal with that sh that fucking wrinkle <laughs> that it's terrible. So like I'll have it, and then I'll I'll poke in an eighth of an inch from the from the outer edge, and then I'll score I'll I'll drive it through, and then I'll come back, and then I'll nick off that last eighth of an inch. The the using the straight edge and the and the and the razor blade is the safest way to do it. I see people with this fucking scissors, and I know it's going to be like they're going to be, whoom, 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 and you you feel it's almost like you see it, it's going to be like the Cookie Monster eating your fucking hand because like, oh, fuck. it's like oh it just looks like I know that fucking that fucking <laughs> ripply edge is going to come at you. Oh yeah. But if you do it my way, you're never going to see that edge. Well, and, your way is my way too. Anytime I've ever cut the foil, I've oh. I, I actually, but you get a sharp razor some, blades. Yeah, I had some tin snips, and I went to go cut it the first time, and it oh, barely it. it could because it's so thin it didn't cut shit. So I was like, yeah. "What the fuck am I gonna do?" And I was like, "I'll just use a knife," and it worked perfectly. But I I have one hundred percent done that, uh, and I do it so uh, where you drag the top edge instead of starting honestly like you, if you have a straight edge you're working with, start right in the fucking middle, cut one direction, right. then cut the other direction. But what, the move if you just don't drag it for the through the through the edge because right. if it pulls you got a fucking i mean not a major problem but it ain't going to be a nice foil pouch no it's, and the other thing it. and the other th yeah don't fight the other thing is give yourself enough everyone's a little bit cheap with the they try to pack it in oh, yeah. when you fold those fold those ends over 
you want to make sure that your you, your fold cl- clears the tip of the knife. Mm-hmm. So you don't have so when you're plate quenching, there's not a little extra fold on top of the knife, so you're not flat. You want the fold to be the, the on the outsides of the knife. You don't want to try to be cheap and try to squeeze it in. Um, but uh, yeah, foil's a bitch. I, it's like I see I see one guy was using. I saw one guy using a a, a paper cutter, like a paper shear. Oh jeez. And yeah. I'm just like, okay. at some point that fucker's gonna get dull, and yeah. then you're gonna end up with like a fold. It's gonna be turn into a break instead of right. like, instead of a shear. <laughs> you're, like, you're gonna end up with like a step in your foil. Yeah. You know. I, I so. have found I that throwing some cardboard underneath also really helps with oh, making yeah. those cuts. I have wood. Uh, I use. Uh, I have these. Oh, wood! Nice. That's a good. I move. use. I have all this ePay from uh, my friend. Oh, uh, Jesus. My E-pay. business partner had a had a porch put in or something, yeah. and he had all this ePay. He let me have it, so I have the. I have a. I have like an ePay underneath. Nice. And then that's that way. There's no like fooling. There's no like. It's very firm. Nice. Um, so I rehandled a. Uh, uh, I, I refurbished a butcher cleaver actually, and I used ePay. That was a. That was a it's stinky wood. Stuff. It's, it's hard horrible. stuff. Yeah. It burned like fucking crazy while I was trying to shape it. It I, became more of a problem than I wanted it to be. <laughs> we, we, my last job before I started knife making, I was doing some carpentry and I was, I was doing, we were doing this ePay uh, porch, big ePay porch. Mm-hmm. I swear to God, we must have snapped. We had, you had to pre, you have to pre drill the wood because the fucking head snap. You can't drive. Oh, yeah. You, gotta, you have to pre drill everything because it's so goddamn hard. And we were snapping heads off, and you snap a head off a. You, know, you oh. want to see that? You know, it was a disaster. But uh, yeah, yeah, you got to be careful. They they store that they store that ePay in the water. You know, they 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 they, oh. they when they store when they store the logs, they just drop it in the in the bottom of the river huh. and then leave it there. Interesting. I didn't Shit know is that. fucking hard. Yeah. I mean, don't don't quote me on this. On this, what I'm told. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't go down the river and dig up my ePay and figure it out. <laughs> um. And then, uh, and in in regards to gloves, for for, I wouldn't if I'm fooling around with with the uh, the, if I'm fooling around with cutting foil, I'm not using gloves. That's, I might use the nitrile gloves, but like tough guy, I kind of feel like I need I need zero slippage with that foil because that shit, like I said, it cuts you, and then it like the ninja movies, and then all of a sudden the blood starts to bubble out. You never you know I'm a couple minutes later. Well, I think the gloves he's describing are kind of like have you seen those like sticky grip gloves that people yes. wear for like movie it's like that but they're cut proof huh i actually i actually have a pair of some uh i was given the only time i really wear a glove is when i'm welding i have one hand covered and it's usually the hand where i have my wedding ring on because did i ever tell you this story i was I welding without gloves and the spark from a mig welder fucking flew up in the air and landed on my gold wedding ring and it it, oh, it, shit. it ignited the ring on fire oh, like really? i had to run to a quench bucket because it completely took up all the heat from that one little fucking goober that little bb <laughs> were you fucking using almost cord? and it was embedded no it was just regular mig wire oh, okay. like 035 whatever and it was it just like embedded into the ring and then it just fucking that one bb just like fucking lit me up and it burned the inside of my ring finger, and uh, so I like that. For for I mean, I don't like to take my wedding ring off. I have a I took my wedding ring off once. This was this is a crazy story. I lost my wedding. I, this is this when I burned my finger when the MIG welding. 
I had to take my thing, my ring off, obviously, because like you know it was it was a blister. I, I, and then I started putting on another finger. That was a dumb idea. And then I lost it. I lost the wedding ring. Oh, fuck. I was, I was, <laughs> I was devastated because I thought this means something. In my family, my dad was married four times. Like, I'm just like, right. I need to, I need to be, you know, the sanctity of marriage for me is very, very important. And it was like this symbolic thing of like, mm. obviously, I don't care enough. Kind of like the ABS thing. And, I ended up we I made my wife pull off of the side of the highway where I took a leak once. And I asked her, "Could you please pull over this spot right here? This is where I went to the bathroom. I'm gonna look in the fucking woods by the on the highway." I was fucking out of my mind, out of my mind. We ended up buying me a new ring, and then three years later, we were planting in the backyard, and there was a uh, was planting a rose bush, and she said, "Dig a hole right here. Dig a hole. Dig a hole twelve inches deep." I'm digging a hole, I'm digging a hole, I'm digging 12 inches deep, and I pull, I see what I think is a bottle cap. I pull out the bottle cap. It was 12 inches under the fucking, under the fucking top surface How of the How did ground. that even happen? It was the goddamn ring. I w- it was like... Did you cry? How could you... I don't think I cried, but I was like, how could... Oh, Imagine yeah. digging in the middle of your backyard somewhere, and then 12 inches down, you find the thing that you've been looking for for years. Maybe David Copperfield was secretly playing a trick on you. Dude, it was crazy. <laughs> I mean, I, and that's why I never take the fucker off, but I yeah. was like, that was the crazy... I must have been making mulch for her or something. I don't know what the fuck I was doing, but three years later, I found wow. it, and I will not take it off. Yeah. But at the same time, it was the craziest... I mean, it was the craziest thing. She's like, you, you, you're playing a joke. I'm like, I'm telling you, I thought it was like a fucking bottle cap. And I wouldn't have normally even taken it out of the ground. There you go, guys. Yeah. That's true love right there. That's wild. Um, That's a crazy story. Yeah, it was a crazy story. Speaking of true love, you know what I love? Knifeprint.com. Knifeprint.com <laughs> is going to help you learn how to use CAD to get your knives... To get you comfortable with the water jet process, you go to knifeprint.com. No downloading software, no licensing agreement. It's a great entry point to simply and easily design knives with their software designed for knife making. Hit the render button, and it'll show you exactly what it's made of in 3D. You spin around, make corrections easily, then press the print button, and they'll cut it out for you, stick it in the mail. I don't know how they do that. They must use other companies. Uh, great website. It is easy to learn. It's a great service. And go to knifeprint.com. And our friend Dennis Terrell is doing a masterclass video series on how to successfully use the program for Knifeprint. Uh, they, he did an episode called Setting and Drawing Basics. And Dennis Terrell has his own YouTube channel. You should definitely check it out. He does deep dives into the advanced features of the Knifeprint editor from advanced design techniques to robust export capabilities. They cover it all. Nice. Uh, definitely check out knifeprint.com. Shout out to our boy uh, Dennis Terrell, and uh, get yourself get yourself squared away. And our our, our good buddy uh, Henry Hyde uses it, and it's good enough for Henry Hyde. It's good enough for you. So knifeprint.com. Right. Well, here's what we got. Okay. We got uh, we got a little bit more. Here's a here's this from for this is from oh my god you can't make this up uh, well pa- Paul Jansen says uh, Paul Jansen says here's a bit what job have you had that people automatically think less of you because they misjudge what you actually do when I tell people I'm a farmer they assume that I'm an uneduca- uneducated redneck that couldn't do oh, anything else so what is a job that you've done that people would look down on you if you told them I mean we I feel like we talked about that so last what? week Take even knife again. making right. 
Well, but I mean, anything else that you've done that you think people look down on you? You've done? Oh man, basically you were dance every teacher. job I've ever had. Like what? <laughs> no, What's the, well, I bet you the worst job you name is never going to be as bad as my first job and best paying job of all time. Your first never going to be bad. Never going to be. I, worse. I know that job. I picked I, I up dog know. shit on the streets of New York. <laughs> yeah. I got paid handsomely for it. I picked up dog <laughs> shit on the streets of New York. I picked up cigarette butts. I on the islands, right? The, I well on 62nd between Third and Park uh, between uh, Lexington and uh, no between Third Avenue and Fifth Avenue, and then I ended up doing such a good job that I cleaned the tree pits <laughs> on Park Avenue between 54th Street to 79th Street. I did that once a week. I was getting paid. 175 bucks a week for an hour and a half worth of work. Hour and a half. That's great. That's Dog awesome. shit with a spike in a in a bag, and I wouldn't walk past my high school because I was they're gonna make fun of me. Oh god, <laughs> with bags full of shit. But you can't tell people. What do you do for a living? I pick up dog shit on the streets of New York. <laughs> hey, it's terrible. If the, if you're getting paid, like, what's the fucking shame? Well, but I mean, you can't go to. A, I mean, you go to a party and someone <laughs> says, "Oh, I do this. I would, what do you do? Oh, I pick up dog shit on Park Avenue." Mm. Oh, really? Where are we going to go with this conversation? <laughs> Where are we going to go? You, Seriously? You can say oh, how do you, like a landscaper, yeah. agri, uh, ag, uh, not agriculture. Oh, no. If I'm, if I'm, I can't, I can't <laughs> try to do that. If I'm going to say I'm going to go all in, oh, yeah, I am picking up dog shit on the street and I'm getting paid. Uh, I think, I don't know. what. I th oh, you know what? I think probably one of, I mean, I was, I was getting paid well. I was working for a buddy, but... Um, when I first moved back from Denver, Colorado to Olympia, I, I didn't really, ha I was like pseudo homeless for a year. What do you mean pseudo homeless? Well, I mean, I was, I didn't have a, a, a home. Like I was surfing on friends' couches. I could hardly get a job. Um, and so I was to, to help like, uh, minimize the burden on people. I was going to a lot of different people's houses and staying. Uh, and at the time, in the same time, I was working for a friend who um, cleaned bank foreclosed houses. And um, some of those houses were fucking gnarly because the bank's closing on the house. Those people have no interest in giving a shit about that place. And there's, there's just garbage everywhere. Gross people human stuff and Ugh. it was terrible it was it was probably one of the gross like we probably should have been wearing respirators we were not and who knows what kind of nastiness was just floating in the air when we're oh. picking up and moving things around and ugh. maybe that's worse Flicking than garbage. picking up dog shit yeah I'm dealing with people's to... <laughs> dealing with people's like things and you know people's they're not you know that they're probably like hoarders and they're probably like there's probably some bad stuff going on in there maybe you're, maybe that's worse <sighs> so i don't know Picking I don't know up if human worse, feces but... is worse. Picking up human feces is worse than picking up dog feces. Yeah, that's a fact. Yeah. All right, you win. I don't know. I I don't think I won. You win. I think you win. All <laughs> Anyways, right, I win. I win. win. My job was fucking worse. I congratulated. Uh, I feel congratulated. Last thing, and then let's go and straight in the after quick after show and get okay. the fuck out of here. Yep. One thing is, is our friend Bob Rankin is got a um, he's got a raffle, and our friends are sp are helping him out. Uh, Chad Kimmel and the guys are raffling off two knives, a K-tip and a Santoku to support Bob Rankin's economic impact of losing his child, his son, mm -hmm. uh, eight years, uh, Navy veteran, 
Uh, he's got steel from the Tower 2 from World Trade Center. He's got some uh, other stuff from the USS Eisenhower, part of the handle. He's got some white oak from the George Washington estate. All Everything's certified, documented. And the video of the bill will be up on Dennis Terrell. Once again, Dennis Terrell, what a guy, on his YouTube channel. Uh, so go to Bob Rankin, customknives.com. Get a sticker from Bob. And then that'll enter you into the raffle, uh, and it's going on through uh, August 31st. And he will be on this coming week's Full Blast podcast. We're going to talk to him and see what's what. Mm-hmm. So go help our friend out, and, uh, you know, it's fun. He's the man. He's a great guy. I've been buying all my Damascus for him for years. Right. And I just, you know, I'm a, such dude. a huge fan of his and what he's going through. I can't even imagine. So, yeah. you know, anything we can do to help him. Absolutely. So let's, uh, let's get this is the after show. <laughs> Ta-da. <laughs> you watch anything good? Uh, what am I watching? Uh, the Foundation series uh, just started up a new season on Apple Plus. What's uh, that? Uh, it's I don't know. It's like this futuristic dystopia shit. Ugh. It's actually don't written. we have enough dystopia already? <laughs> it's based like on aliens. A... <laughs> they're, they're finally admitting that aliens and everything. Right, I, I saw TV. that. Yeah. Uh, so I, it's based off a, uh, a book series called. The, the foundation series written by Isaac Asimov, right. uh, which I think were written in the seventies or eighties. Anyways, um, it's really, I don't know. It's interesting. Um, and then we've also, oh, we started watching this movie called, it's like a murder mystery. It's also on Apple plus, but it's, um, it's called after party. Um, huh. and it's kind of fun. It's good. And then what the fuck else is going on? The wheel of time series, I think just started up again on Whoa. Amazon prime. Um. Yeah, I don't know what else. We just I watched. Haven't watch, watch, I've been watching anything. Like I, I've, I've been, I've just been like, I'm so fucking tired. I listen to the radio and go to bed. Yeah. I listen to the Yankee game. That's fair. And go to bed. I think That's I fucking. They You're probably getting good sleep. Get, honestly, I'm. Not, I helps. don't know if I'm getting good sleep. I got so much on my mind. It's yeah. Just like cra- everything's fucking crazy. I want to watch. My family's going. My wife and daughter are going to go to see the Barbie movie tonight. They asked me if I wanted to go. I'm like, yeah, not really. And they said, why not? Is it, are you too, are you too fucking tough for a Barbie movie? I'm like, I don't want to see any movie. So if I don't want to see any movie, why would I see a movie that I certainly don't want to watch? I, I mean, is it for children? He's like, no, it's not for children. It's a feminist movie. It's very good. I'm like, yeah, but I wouldn't want to see it if it was a child's movie, and I don't, certainly don't want to see it if it's like some sort of political movie. I, I frankly, I. It just of all the movies to see that was the I don't want to see Indiana Jones. I, I wait for it to come out on video, but mm, I mean, I'm, I'm not gonna. You know, I said, why don't you guys just enjoy Barbie? Go ahead, yeah, knock yourself out. I do like that Margot Robbie, but I mean, other than that, <laughs> sure. it's like. But I mean, other than that, it's just like, when am I gonna get all horned up in a Barbie movie? I don't think so. I you know? I used to work at a movie theater uh, as one of my shitty jobs as an usher sweeping floors, yeah, so sweeping bad. up and clean up after people, but. Uh, uh, after the movies got out, but I think it was in—I don't know what. Oh, I think it was actually when movies started to get to like they started breaking like the twelve, fifteen dollar mark for a ticket. I was like, "Holy fuck! I can't be going to the theaters to see every new movie I want to see yeah. coming out." And so now I only go to movies that like are necessary to see in the theater. Something like Indiana Jones, something action-packed or with like big right. explosions and shit like that, because you only really get that like impactful like where the right. sound you feel the sound kind of situation unless you got an awesome at home theater system um 
in a movie theater. Otherwise, fucking, I'll, I'll, I'll probably watch the Barbie movie, but I'm going to wait until it's available to stream online or something like that. You're like, that's not a movie I need to see in the theater to get all the impactful, like, pink colors and all that shit. You know what a movie, the, one of the best movies to see in the theater was, was Avatar. That was good. I'm excited. Oh, fuck. We yeah. saw Avatar 3D. Nice, yeah. And it was, like, it was mind-blowing yeah. when it came out. And, I, and you said when movies went to $12, I remember when movies were $7. And, um, you know, I'd go, to, I'd go to everything. Oh, I, a lot of it was because there's nobody home. Like, sure. I was going to movies just to kind of fucking bide my time between, like, going back to school. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I was all alone. I'd go to the fucking movies. And then, ugh, I'm not going to tell the story. Ugh, I got to tell the story. So Dude. when PG-13 first came, they, you know, PG-13 came out when I was younger. And it came out probably when I was 11. Okay. You know, they decided to make a PG movie. They were going to make PG-13, so it's a little bit more, you know, a little bit more grisly or whatever than, right. you know, it's not PG and it's not rated R. So I was 13, and my friend and I went to go, wanted to go see, uh, wasn't Romancing the Stone, it was The Jewel of the Nile. The, <laughs> the Romancing one. the Stone, the second one. Yeah. We were both 13. We went to get the tickets, and the guy says, we, you can't be here without a parent. I'm like, well, we're both 13. PG-13, we're both 13. And he says, it doesn't matter. Without a parent, you can't be here. And we argued with him, and he didn't matter. He kicked us out. These street thugs chased us. He's like, oh, two guys want to go to a movie together. And next thing you know, we got chased down the street. Oh, my God. And we we ended up running into into a clothing store to hide. And... It was, they wouldn't let us, they wouldn't let us in the goddamn theater. If we were 13, it wasn't a matter. You're going to be here with a parent. Like, I should have said I was 17, but I didn't. There you yeah. go. I, I can't think of many movies that I went, my kid, when my kid was young, I used to take her all those goddamn movies. I got you. It was torture. Yeah. Torture. The children's movies, torture. Total yeah. torture. Um, yeah, what was it? I saw, oh, the first movie I ever saw in IMAX was The Matrix Reloaded, which was the second one. Right. And I was, so happy that i saw that in 3d it was fucking awesome it was so, but or yeah. sorry in, in imax but that, that's the kind of movie and like anymore like my uh you know my wife and i will talk sometimes about going to movie theaters we used to, we used to win tickets off the radio and we would get birthday gift tickets to go see movies like going to movies was our thing uh, that we would do and anymore it's like uh, i don't think i want to see that one in the theater it's just it seems like such a fucking because even now with a kid it's even more of a production especially Ugh. with a young kid it's more of a production getting everybody lined up too, and all probably. Probably. it's like are we gonna go to the are we really gonna do all that just to see this fucking dumb movie that we don't actually have to see in the theater i break uh, my kids balls about movies sometimes because she made me take her years ago when she was very young she made me take her to this fucking movie hop it was hop okay it sucked so bad and i was like <laughs> was it with bunny rabbits bunny it was about easter okay. easter bunny <laughs> and i think that i think the lead guy was played cyclops in the x-men movies i don't know what i don't know okay. i was looking for something i was looking for something yeah and I remember it was like, I was like, Lila, of all the movies you've taken me to or made me take you to, this one is the fucking worst. And ever, I've never <laughs> let her forget about it. I'm like, God damn. Remember I took you that fucking hop? Oh, my God. I took I her. You, I made you take me to the, I took her to the Smurfs. Don't make me come to the barb. So they don't buy, so they don't give me troll. Come on, look at the barbie. I went to hop. I went to this fucking see the Smurfs. I don't need to see any more. I've done it all. I've done, I've done enough. I did that. That was the worst one. I'm done. I've done it. enough. I've done it all. And I think we've done it all. Guys, it was good to talk to you, my friend. It's good to catch up, yeah.
and we'll have Craig back next week. And, uh, you know, look, everybody, don't worry about it. We're getting through the summer. We're probably in August by now. All right. Well, there you go. Guys, we will see you next week with another episode of Knife Talk. Ta-ta. That's not a very good way to sign off. (laughs) Sign off for us, Mareko. Peace, fuckers. Oh, Jesus. Peace, fuckers. (laughs) Let's just try it one more third time. Oh, my God. All right. Bye for now. That's better. Bet MGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at Bet MGM. Simply download the Bet MGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C.